This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Go Hayes, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah. Rise and shine. It's time for a little A's cast live from the winter meetings in San Diego at the Manchester Grand Hyatt as a lot is continuing to go on. Now, I woke up this morning, got a good night's sleep. I woke up and I had this dream that someone gave a guy who's not a future Hall of Famer an 11-year contract. And... um. I was wondering, uh, that can't possibly happen, right? That someone would get an 11-year contract who, you know, didn't have, doesn't have the resume of, let's say, like an Albert Pujols when he hit free agency. I think we all agreed that when Albert Pujols hit free agency in St. Louis uh, and that the Angels lured him away. I remember it was supposedly going to be between the Marlins, whatever that winter meetings. I want to say that was the one in Tennessee, in Nashville. But he, it was, oh, my God, he's going to be – he's either going to be a Marlin, he's going to go to South Florida, or he's going to stay with the Cardinals. And out of nowhere, he signed with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim Disney. Now, he had great credentials, right? He had three MVP awards. If it wasn't for Barry Bonds, he'd have more MVPs. So when he signed this long-term deal, you knew you are getting a future Hall of Famer. You wouldn't sign a guy to an 11-year contract who's not a future Hall of Famer, right? Most likely not, no. I mean, I don't run the front office, but I wouldn't give uh, wouldn't give that deal out. So is that just a dream? No, it actually happened. That actually happened? Uh, what team was it? Was it Philadelphia? I can't they like believe. To give up big, they like to give up big Oh, contract. the A's brass is walking by. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the stars of Major League Baseball. Um yeah, so we've had we've had some interesting things go on this morning. Tommy Canely, the reliever, is back two year deal with eleven point uh, worth eleven point five million to the New York Yankees. So the Yankees, as it seriously as it went to bed last night, there were rumors circling, and you know we believe everything that we we read on Twitter that Aaron Judge was getting on a private plane from it would be Tampa. He was in Tampa last night for another record night for Tom Brady. Game was awful all night long, Monday night football, Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. But somehow, someway, with three seconds left, Tom Brady pulls it out, and the Buccaneers win in a comeback victory against the Saints as, I mean, Tom Brady was setting all kinds of records last night. He tied one. Most career victories with Dan Marino the Dolphins great for wins on Monday night football. And I don't know there's comeback victories, whatever at the past Peyton Manning on some, some list. I mean, it's just uh, amazing, but 
Aaron Judge was at Monday Night Football last night. And the rumors going around on Twitter was that he was going to be getting on a private plane and heading here to San Diego. And will be interesting to see if that is the case that Aaron Judge is now in town to maybe start helping negotiations. Because if you, if I mean, if you want, let, let, let's face it, when you sign somebody like Aaron Judge or any of these long-term deals, yes, you're, you're in this thing for the long, long haul. And it looks like there's some uh, heating up here with the, with the Oakland A's. We'll get into, into that uh, in just a second. But if you're signing him for, I mean, for 9, 10, 11 years, whatever it's going to be, you're not sweating the early moments but what you want to do in the early part of the honeymoon period, you got to remember in the end, this is a business. So you want to capture this initial buzz about signing Aaron Judge. You want that. You want, like, immediately. You, down here, if you're the Yankees, it's a relief. Down here, if you're the Giants, this is now the centerpiece to your organization for the next 9, 10, 11 years. So what do you want to do? You want to start selling season tickets. You want Christmas is right around the corner. You want jerseys. You want jerseys. You want to profit off this. You want to profit off your initial investment. You want the excitement, right? And that is, that's what, you know, Aaron Judge is coming to town, if that is true, if he's going to show up here at, at the Hyatt, the Grand Hyatt. Manchester, by the way, if you don't know, is a guy that's from here, San Diego, who's not a really well-liked businessman. But uh, I don't know if he can – he's got his name still on the hotel. I'm not sure, though, if uh, if he's still a part of it. But if he shows up here, Aaron Judge, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get business going. It's time – you know, he's met with the Giants. We saw him in town. You know, he. You know, is it time? But we, we saw Brian Cashman walk by here yesterday – uh, as he was on after he signed his extension, and he was right next to us over here at the at the Yes Network compound with all their cameras and all their TV. Ray and I saw him this morning sitting downstairs in the uh, in the area by the coffee shop. Was he wearing just a gray hoodie again? Uh, yeah, the black hoodie this time. Did it have NY on it? Yeah, I think it was a full Yankees hoodie. It said like he didn't say Yankees across. It said what? Oh, University of Toronto? I don't know. You know you got job security when <laughs> you just roll around in random stuff. Like yesterday he was literally like in a champ sports gray hoodie. You know, you know, like when, you, when you're just in a hoodie and jeans and walking around, you've got this ultimate job security where everybody else is dressed. A lot of these guys have sport coats on. Uh, Cashman's rolling in like he just was out jogging. Um, but, you know, Aaron Judge probably coming to town to – Hey, can we get something done while we're here? Because if you're Aaron Judge, don't you want to get it done? While... I mean, he's the big fish. He, Like I said yesterday, if you had a chance to listen, and we're going to be on all day long, we'll be on till noon today. Then we'll be on from uh, 2 to 4 later today, hopefully with more news, as Ken Rosenthal has been reporting that things are starting to heat up. I don't know what to believe with Ken Rosenthal, as obviously he's a trusted source, but he has just come out with uh, what I'm hearing. And one of the things that – his top thing is that he's hearing is about Sean Murphy being traded. Now, we had the GM of our Oakland Athletics right here yesterday, and there's a buddy, Anthony Castrovince, just walking by. All the writers right now 
are walking by. They're going into a right across from us a meeting. It's going to be a writers' meeting that also is going to have the commissioner of baseball, friend of the program. We haven't talked to him in a while. Rob Manfred is going to be stopping by here, so maybe we got to say, Rob, race cast. You think he remembers what 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 that was the playoff game of? We did it in 2019. And 19. We did 2020 also with him. We did it two years in a row. When he walks by, you gonna go over and grab him? Your good friend? Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think he's gonna remember me this time. I mean, he did meet us face to face in Oakland. We had him on. I mean, maybe he could have. Well, I mean, you know what? Show some pull. Go get your guy, Rob Manfred. You know who? You know who he would come on with if we had him here. If uh. Your good friend, Alan, I know him as Roxy, was here. He doesn't know who the hell Roxy Bernstein Ro- is. Roxy was with us when we were there. He knows Ace Cast. Get, I want you to, when, <laughs> when Manfred, I'll even yell at him. When Manfred comes by, you grab him. You run over there and grab him by the arm and pull him over here. That's the one job you got today. All right, if, if I get escorted up by security, Ray's going to be uh, next man up. That's fine. I mean, well, somebody's if somebody's got to go down with the ship, it, uh, it, it is going to be you. So Manfred is going to be talking to the writers right across from us. And uh, who knows? Sounds like a lot of fun. But, you know, we talked to David Forrest, the general manager of the A's yesterday. We brought up Sean Murphy. He actually told us, was this on the air, off the air? It wouldn't be, wasn't anything confidential. But he said he got contacted by a couple writers and he snapped on one of the writers, said he felt bad. He was... He showed up and realized he didn't have a couple of his chargers for his electronic devices, which we all know is a really bad feeling. When you're going to be somewhere for X amount of days and you don't have your computer charger, you don't have your phone charger, you're not a happy camper. And he said he snapped because right now, yeah, I'm sure there's talks with Sean Murphy, but David, I think it was off the air. David would have let us know if it was getting close. And everybody's trying to report that all this stuff is going down and and, and – and unless things have changed since we last talked with less than 24 hours ago, David Force, there wasn't really anything that was substantial. Unless somebody's come in and has dazzled them out of nowhere, uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not. I, I, and that would also tell me one thing. Things are starting to get slow. That you had the big names. You had, you know, Aaron Judge. There's nothing there yet. Carlos Correa supposedly meeting again with the twin. You've got meetings, but nothing. Because right out of the gate, once DeGrom signed, then Verlander signed, then one of the big shortstop signed, and probably Trey Turner signing that 11-year deal through the whole market for the other three shortstops out of whack. Because all of a sudden, I mean, think about, if you, think about if you're the person doing business and you're the agents. I mean, think about the players in this. So... You're the agents, you're the, you're, you're the teams, and whoever you are, the teams that are now interested in Dansby Swanson, you're interest, interested in Xander Bogarts, you're interested in Carlos Correa, and you find out that the Philadelphia Phillies have just gone all in at 11 years, $300 million. Somewhere around that, not official. Sam Fold, the GM, former athletic, a GM of the Philadelphia Phillies will be here today. There's a re, uh, new story out from ESPN. It's like updates from the winter meetings, and this is this is apparently from today. The Padres already ready to will, willing to make a big, big, big strike in free agent free agent market. Have a move that would send ripples throughout the industry. Essentially, as Athletic first reported yesterday, the 300 million dollar deal for uh, Trey Turner 
behind there was a second highest offer he received behind the San Diego Padres, who apparently would have made him the highest paid shortstop in Major League Baseball, according to ESPN. Uh, I want to say who wrote the article, is it? Um, it doesn't say the author, it just says ESPN. They, they got a lot of guys collaborating on deals. So wait a minute, the Padres were going to do a shorter deal but worth more money? It just says, according to an industry source, according to industry sources, their offer would have made Turner the highest paid shortstop in baseball, beyond the $341 million that Fernando Tatis got from uh, Francisco Lindor from the Mets and that Tatis got from the Padres. Hi. How is this possible? <laughs> Where is all this money? We're in San Diego. As people know, I grew up here. There's not a whole lot of industry here. They don't have a big TV deal. Uh, they don't have big sponsorship. One of their main sponsorships is an Indian casino, Saquon. No offense to Saquon, but, I mean, this isn't New York. This isn't Chicago. This isn't Boston. This isn't Bay Area. Where are they getting all of this money to spend over $300 million on Fernando Tatis Jr. Where do they get all this money? The three hundred million to Manny Machado. They're paying forty-three million for Eric Hosmer to play in Boston. Where are they getting all this money? They're going to have to pay Soto. And now you're going to say you're going to give what? I don't know what the number is. Maybe it's rumors, right? But it has to be in the three hundred million range. Oh, for it would have been well over that. So you'd have three guys with three without Soto because you haven't had to give Soto that contract yeah. yet. If you're going to keep them, that's three guys with over three hundred million dollar contracts. It would be yeah because it said that Lindor makes three hundred forty one million. He's the highest paid shortstop. And then it would have been he would have been over that. And Turner's th- uh, how old is Turner? Is he thirty now? Thirty. Because I know Correa's twenty eight and Dansby's right around there too. Dansby's yeah. seven uh, months older than him. He's twenty nine. Going to so, be thirty, but he's going to be thirty. I'm pretty sure. I, I well, you know what? You, 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 basically, what it does, it tells you how cash rich these franchises are. That's, thirty, thirty in June for Turner. yeah. Exactly. So it tells you how cash rich they are. If you got a team like this, and I said this when they took on, when the Padres took on Juan Soto, I said it. They're making other baseball teams look bad. And I hate to say it, but it is true. They're making other teams because they're showing you all the money that's in the industry. They're willing to spend it. They're trying to win. They AJ Preller has convinced whoever I can't remember their names are. Peter Seidler is the owner. So whoever the it's like him and the like his brothers or something like that. It was Ron. It was Fowler, but I I, I only see he, Seidler was mentioned in the ESPN article. So um, they got to have some kind of money tree. That just shows you the money that they're getting overseas, the money that they're getting for the television rights, the money they all just got an extra $30 million from Disney and the BAM technology that they sold. Remember, they got that initial like 70 or $90 million, whatever it was. Now they got another $30 million from that technology deal from Disney. They're cash rich. These franchises are absolutely cash rich. And if a team like the Padres, who once again, think about their market, right? My father used to always say this. This is the problem with San Diego. You've got the Pacific Ocean to the west. You've got the desert to the east. You've got Mexico to the south. And you've got L.A. to the north. You're boxed in as a market, right? Versus somebody like, let's say, St. Louis for all these years, St. Louis's market has been the entire Midwest. Now, you may say that's the Midwest, but your market's pretty big when – 
there there still to this day are huge pockets of Cardinal fans who live in Texas because for all those years there was no Rangers. People grew up and families grew up with the tradition of St. Louis Cardinals baseball in Texas. So all through Oklahoma, all through Nebraska, all through these states has been Cardinals baseball. So their map, their footprint is so large in the Midwest, it makes essentially St. Louis a large market team. You think about Chicago. You think about like the New York Yankees who are to our right here. They have the entire eastern eastern seaboard. I mean, basically from them – uh, New York down to Florida, the Yankees own it. Sorry, Atlanta Braves. Sorry, Tampa Bay Rays. Sorry, Marlins. The Yankees have owned that space for all these years. Where do the most human beings in the United States of America and the United States of America live? The Eastern Seaboard. The Eastern Seaboard, and the Yankees own it. Ding, 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 ding. How about New England? New England is just not Boston and the Patriots. It's the they own all of those states. The Boston Red Sox. So that becomes, you know, this is how these teams have these markets and they're able to generate so much money. I don't know. I mean, the Padres say, I mean, really? I mean, does that not, are you going to go after and pay Soto too? Soto wants over $400 million. What are you going to have three guys at over $300 million and a fourth guy over $400 million? Uh, how, who's pitching for this team? Like, what, how are you going to be able to sign anybody, Dude, do anything? Dude, Hugh Darvish is still here. He's not cheap. No. He makes big bucks. And they just gave uh, Robert Suarez a bunch. I mean, not a ton of money, but they paid. $54 million as or, for a reliever. I mean, that's a lot of money for a reliever. For the, a reliever. You got haters. Who's in his 30s. You got hater you're going to have to pay eventually. There's a lot of guys they have to worry about. So either they're crazy or they have this money, and we're now really seeing the kind of money that all Major League Baseball teams have. Yeah. Um, and the Padres are really showing it the last few years. It'll be They're not afraid to spend. It'll be interesting, like, okay, say they don't sign, so they miss out on Turner, he wants to Philly. Great. What if they decide, okay, we want Bogarts or Judge. If they can throw that kind of money at uh, Trey Turner, why not throw it at Judge? Throw him on right or – actually, he can anywhere in the alpha for you. Well, they probably – they don't need him. I mean, that would I don't be think the, they didn't need Trey Turner either, but they were going to sign him. Well, they <laughs> didn't need a shortstop if they're going to move Tatis to the outfield. And they're moving Tatis to the outfield, and you have Soto out there, then you don't need Judge. Where would Judge play? He's not a left fielder. Center. You're going to have Tatis Jr. play center. Uh, if he, I'm, I'm thinking from – You're just playing fantasy baseball. This is reality, right? They're moving Tatis Jr. to the outfield. You're, and you got Soto. You're not going to bring in Aaron Judge. That's, that's uh, Soto could DH. You didn't trade Juan Soto at that age, the DH. You're just, you're just, yeah, yeah. Um, Think of the possibilities for Bob to play these guys. But that that just shows you the the crazy money that's going around. So a couple of A's. So the A's note that what I'm hearing from the winter meetings. I'll just give it to you because not all of you subscribe to the Athletic. The Athletics are seeking major league, uh, pro, they're they're seeking major leaguers rather than prospects for Sean Murphy telling interested clubs they will keep the catcher if they do not receive the right trade offer. Well, there you go. That's what you do. It's called leverage. They're basically, David Forrest, who's been down this road, says, we have no pressure from ownership. We don't have to trade him. We can keep him. You're all going to want him still at the trading deadline. Hell, you're going to want him into next year. You're going to want them next year at this time. I don't know where the winter meetings are next year. But I can tell you this, 
you're gonna you're 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 gonna want him then too. So you're gonna have to pay up now. Uh, as an A's fan, how do you feel about that? How do you feel that they want some players in return who can compete now, knowing that you're probably still far off anyway? They would have to be really young players. They'd have to be young, cheap, good players that when this turnaround does happen a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, they're going to be guys that not all of a sudden are free agents. Who's the one team that we the Murphy keeps being linked to? The Cardinals are one. Cardinals have a lot of young talent. Brendan Donovan, who's second baseman, trade for him. You could throw him right at second base right now. Maybe you're starting second base on an opening day in Oakland. Uh, they have uh, they have a couple of young catchers. I mean, we don't need catchers, so that's that's fine. Don't have, even bring that up. They have outfielders. They have a couple. Don't even of talented, put that in the universe. They have a couple talented outfield prospects. They have a couple talented pitching prospects. Uh, St. Louis is someone I think they can make a major push for him because obviously they don't have Yadi Molina anymore because he retired, so they need a catcher. I like I like a package of a couple young big leaguer guys and a couple young prospects. I like that package. Help you right away, youth, help you right away now, and guys that can help you in the future. I, do, I, I, I think that's – if you get that for Sean Murphy, yeah, because if, if, if right now if you just traded Sean Murphy for like a bunch of – like when Manaya got traded and you're like, who, who are these guys? No, no one even knows who these guys are. Um, yeah, the big one was Adrian Martinez. No, he was not. He was not the number one. There was another guy. Adrian Martinez ended up being the guy who went to came to the big leagues. But there was another oh, guy. Oh, it, it was a second baseman that uh, – no, was it the second baseman? Exactly. We yes, it was. We don't it was even sec- rem- we he's don't playing even at Lansing. Rem- we don't even remember. But the top prospect of the Sean Manaya deal was not Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez was the second guy thrown in. Uh, the, the, I sent it to you last night, the news. Did you see the tweet I sent you about the news from Martin about James? Yeah, C- I want to get into that. So It just popped in my head. So you got, so you got Sean Murphy going to be dealt. It's just it, it, it's a matter of time. But think about this, A's fans. I know I said a lot, a lot of this on, on our postgame show. And when A's fans could call in and A's fans were, were, were mad about it. If you have a player in his prime now, and he's not, and you're not going to win. It doesn't do you any good. And I know that hurts to say. You're like, well, it does me good to show up and watch him play. I want to watch this player in his prime play. But it doesn't do you any good, really, long term. Now, if you move Sean Murphy now, it can help you. If what Ken Rosenthal is reporting right, it can help you now and in the future. But if Sean Murphy helps you get better two, three years from now, two, three years from now, I know, I know time is precious and, and you hate to lose time, but if Sean Murphy trading him helps you get better two, three years, four years from now, you're not going to care. You're going to say, thank you, Murph. Appreciate what you did. But Sean Murphy was just on your team last year, lost 102 games. Sean Murphy's going to be on your team that if it's just Murph and everybody else, Murph's not good enough offensively and not consistent enough offensively to be this budding star. Murph has to be in an offense with multiple guys. Murph is not a prolific offensive player. I agree He's with not that. consistent enough. Yeah. He's just not. He's very good defensively, but he's the, the never bats. He's never gotten out to a hot start. And, like, what did we see last year? Murph got out to a – had a great spring. Yeah, great Every, spring. Everybody said this is the year. Gets out to a slow start. 
which did not help the ball club. And then what happens? I can tell you what happens. He gets hot, but then he gets hot once the team is X amount of games under 500, and it really doesn't matter. And it leads us to where we are today. So if you can off Sean Murphy for guys that could potentially help now, and these potential guys are young enough they're going to help the future, and and guys that are not too – because what the A's like to do in deals like this where they have the leverage, they like to get guys that are not that far away from the big leagues. So these, this would be a package of players that could help you now and help you pretty soon, whether it's by the end of this year, whether it's next year. It's guys that are on the come and can help you soon. I take a deal like that. But I like the leverage piece of um, I don't need them. I don't, I don't have to do the deal. That's the leverage right now. Guys that want that deal now, well, you're going to have to give up a little bit more because I don't have to trade him. And that's the beauty of where Murph is in his contract. Do, uh, where Farron coming at 930? Uh, he's supposed to. All right. I, uh, James Caprillion had soldier, uh, shoulder surgery again. And it, it, it literally, when you sent me that, was just the, it's the shake my head. It's literally the shake my head. Here's the exact tweet from Martin Gallegos, who we'll talk to tomorrow. James Caprillion underwent shoulder surgery to fix the AC joint issue that caused him to miss spring training. He's recovering well, but is not throwing yet, and the A's are unsure if he'll be ready for a starting role to begin the season. There was another, there was another tweet from Martin yesterday as well. Beyond Urban and Blackburn, Mark Kotze mentioned Spears, Waldachuk, A.J. Martinez, and all his rotation options. A.J. Puck will also get a chance to compete for a rotation spot this spring. All that right there. I get it. Yeah. I don't care, though. This is about James Caprillion. Yeah. This is about a guy. There's your guy. There's your white whale right there. Yeah. Um, Joel Sherman. Can always ask Lou from the MLB Network. He's been helping us out like crazy. Maybe you need to go introduce yourself. Say, hey, I Joel. He, I think he's going over to the network, it looks I like. Just, I'm just saying, when you have that opportunity, that's what these meetings are for. You can't he is get the, him. He is the one guy we have You can't get him. That's why you need FaceTime with him. You Actually, need he's in- he's the number two. And Greg Maddox is the white well for me. If we get Maddox, I'm going to retire. You need you need to, you know what you need to introduce yourself to him so he gets contact so he gets a face with you and he knows who you are so when you text him ah oh, the A's guy because right now you're just some random text to him I feel like that's how it is to most guys who don't know us know who I am well that's why we come to the winter meetings yeah. this is your chance this is your chance to run and grab him meet him and introduce yourself I'm just more surprised that Farron's not here before we get back into Caprillion. So, Caprillion, I mean, I harped on it on every single time he pitched. He has the record for most games pitched, six innings or less, for the A's. Or most starts, I should say, six innings or less. And he's 28, going to be 29. And James Caprillion, who wants to be the guy, who wants to be that, he wants to be that that ace of a staff. He wants to be, you know, after games, I'm sharpening my pencil and all these sayings that he has. I, I do like that one. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, man, you can't stay healthy. You've never been able to stay healthy. And James Caprillion had, you know, we can't talk about him like he is a young pitcher anymore. He's 29. Was he 29 now or he's going to be 29? He's 20, but, yeah, he'll be 29 next year. I'm going to pull up his birthday because I want to see his innings pitched. Um, he will be 29 in March. So, spring training, he'll be 29. He's going to be 29. 
most innings he's ever thrown was obviously last year, 134. 29. We're going into another spring training where he can't pitch. We're going to another spring training where he's not going to start the season on time. We're going to another spring training where it's going to be talking about, ah, oh, he was a part of the Sonny Gray trade. Ah, oh, he was a first-round pick out of UCLA. Ah, oh, he was a Yankee. Oh, he had Tommy John, and he's had the shoulder, and he's had this. I mean, at some point, it's like, man, when can you be reliable? The best ability is availability, and you never seem to be available. And what are we going to do? Are we going to go through another year of talking about, Getting him back healthy, bringing him back slow. He's going to come back, start pitching again. You know, people bring up the, well, should he pitch in middle relief, be a long guy because he's never been healthy as a starter, or are we going to bring him back as a starter, and here's the four-inning start, and then there's the five-inning start, and then he's sharpening his pencil again after the game. It's like, are we going through this again? Again? And, I mean, you can't – I mean, a guy's injured and it sucks and you have to have compassion. But at some point, you know, you got one career. And if your career is always rehabbing and always going under the knife, you're a career rehab guy. I hate to say it. Yeah. And, and that's where I am with James Caprillion. I was hoping that, okay, we finally got through that. You're now – you're in your prime. This is as good as it gets for you as an athlete in your late 20s heading into your 30s. This is it. And we're heading into this time and we're not getting we're 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 getting another we're getting another rehab assignment. We're getting another working with the doctors, working with this, working with that. Oh, there's Farron. I just text him too. Nothing like showing up at exactly 9:30. It's just I got to tell you it's tired. It literally is a tired and we want him, right? You want him to be you want him to be you want him to be that guy, right? Because the potential's there. But I just – and once again, if we're talking about how we need over 10 starters, he was supposed to be one of the guys that we were going to be looking at. But, you know, sometimes it's more important than talking about James Caprillion and whether he can ever stay healthy. It's important to talk to the stars here at the winter meetings, to talk to the, the men who, when he walks through, everybody turns and goes – there's the guy. I mean, when you want to talk about the mayor of the lobby, that's Mike Farron of Sirius XM. The only reason they do that is because they've got a sweet tush. Well, you do have a sweet tush, I will have to say. When you're strutting that thing around, you're like a runway model when you're walking through the lobby of the Manchester Grand Hyatt. Yeah. I'm the, I am the – I guess what would be the, like, lobby version of a runway? Would you call it just – like, maybe I'm a lobby model. That's what it is. Yes. You've heard of hand models? I'm a lobby model. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to show off how nice the lobby is in your hotel, yeah. use me. That's a, that, that could be a new career for you. And as I walk, you can go, how can I miss you if you won't go And everybody away? turns and goes, there's that guy. <laughs> how are you? I'm good, man. It's good to see you in person. Yeah, it is. You know what? It was funny. He's talking to some people. We go, God, we haven't seen each other since 2019. And I know you know so many people in the industry, and the last time we had the winter meetings was here. You know, we kind of seen some people in Arizona at spring training. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't go to Florida, so we don't get to do the Florida, so the grapefruit. So, yeah, this has kind of been a good time to see some people we haven't seen in a long it's time. It's funny because, like I said to somebody yesterday, I was like, it's almost like we opened up a time capsule 
after three years being inside and everyone's a little grayer and I'm a little fatter. And so like that was the <laughs> that's basically what's happened is like we're having conversations that we picked up on three years ago in like the same media room, the same lobby, like yeah. all of that. It feels a little weird, but also and it's great. I love the winter meetings. I'm like you. Like I, I want to be around people. Yeah. I want to see people. I, you know, we have a lot of friends that that either cover baseball or work in baseball, and to be able to see them face to face in a spot, you know, and you know, maybe get a, grab a cocktail with them or a beer at the end of the night is really fun. So there are a lot of people who complain about the winter meetings because it's a lot of work and it's a lot of standing around and there's a lot of that. But for me, it's my favorite event. Like if I could pick one jewel event to go to every year for the, for Major League Baseball would be the winter meetings. So when you talk about the time capsule for us, for A's cast, literally we were in the exact same spot uh-huh. right here. Like so many different people are coming to the exact same, and it's like crazy. But, yeah, I, I, I love it here too because it, it's the time that the people in our industry, we get to like have time because there's so many – like when people come and, and if you come to Oakland, you always do it on video, but if you come to Oakland – we do the show on the field, right. right? So everybody comes and does it, but then they leave and you don't get to talk because we got to move on with the show. Right. Here is you get to talk to people and then you get to go see them and actually have conversations. You know, that's them. the same thing with us when we do postseason shows or the All-Star Game or the Home Run Derby. Is It's live, right? And so you're in the middle of one thought. All of a sudden you're doing an interview, and unless you're fortunate enough to go to break, there's no, like, three-minute conversation to catch up and I'm with you like that's the best part of this like one of the reasons I love covering baseball is that people in baseball love to talk about baseball they also like to just gab and there's a lot of downtime right and and I'm not talking about like in game like before games there are hours and hours and so you can fill that by building relationships and having conversations and and you learn something you might learn something about a player or a coach or an executive that you know as a broadcaster you can use but you also might just build a relationship with people that you get to know um, and become friends with and that I love I absolutely love that like I love that part of it I'm you know as an extrovert like the winter meetings are the best for it but baseball's a pretty good sport for that too so I when I got my new car years ago, I had Sirius XM, and that's when I found you. I had never had Sirius XM before, and I found your guys' show. And at, your you know, first reaction was, "Who are these idiots?" Well, I knew who Duquette was, obviously. Like, I didn't who's that other idiot? You. Who's the other? He's in Arizona. <laughs> and then you know your subscription ends after like whatever a year, two right. years. I'm like, I, 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 and the great thing is, is when you get your subscription, you got it on your phone, you got it on your tablet, you got it on your computer, and I've kept it, and it's because of your guys's channel, Channel 89, and it's by far. When I think baseball, and I think all-around coverage, so if you don't have SiriusXM, you can get it. It's just not for your car anymore. I think people need to realize that. You can have it on your phone. I have it actually in the golf cart at Cinnabar Hills at my club, and people will be like, "Shout out!" Pe- people will be like, what are you listening to? I'm like, it's a power alley. What do you mean, what am I listening to? <laughs> so you're And your guys, you and Jim Dequette, former GM, you guys – no offense, like down here's John Boy, and I, I mean, no offense, your guys' show, and I and I when I'm up early enough, I like to listen to Eduardo and Steve Phillips, but I think to your guys in our industry as a national show, I think your show is the best second I, to none. I appreciate that. It's very kind of you to say the check is in the mail. Um, 
I mean, I'm not going to write it for you now. Just it's coming. I it's, want the brisket you know, in Arizona in that's January. Gonna that's going to happen. Um, I, th- you know, I appreciate that. I think one of the things that we really strive for is to try and have credibility in the industry. It's really easy when Jim Duquette's your partner to have that yeah. because Jim is the best, and he knows it, he knows what's happening around the game, but he doesn't. He's not a tireless self-promoter. He's not a guy that that um, is telling you how much he knows at all times. You just have to listen to his information, and it's great. And it, and it forces me to prepare, too. And I'm an information junkie, right? So whether it's conversations or reading, like, I think it works really well. And also, like we, I think one of the things that I'm most proud of with what we do is that we have pretty good context for what we do, which is, like, this is just baseball, right? It's supposed to be fun. So... We right? love it, and it's we're supposed fun, to have a damn good time. It. Let's have fun, right? And like, even, I mean, listen, hundred lost seasons are never fun, right? Oh. Like for enjoying it, but you have to bring that up. I, I mean, listen, I went through, <laughs> I've been through them before too as a broadcaster, right? But but like, there's still great moments. It's still fun, and it still beats working for a living, right? So, um, so I, I appreciate you saying that because we we really do we love what we do, and I love getting a chance to work with Jim. I mean, we've been together for ten and a half years. Um, I probably talk to him more than anybody other than my wife. Uh, I have part of some of that's the nature of just the job. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's just, like, he's just a prince of a human being on top of I mean, the, the dude gave an organ to his daughter. Like, that's all you need to know yeah. about the guy, right? Like, he's, um, so I'm really grateful that, that you get a chance to work with a guy who's as, as talented and as fun and as smart and as connected as Jim is. So, for A's fans... If you don't have Sirius XM, by the way, the Titans have just fired their GM. Um, so if you don't Which have baseball team, is that? Yeah. If you if you don't, we still do football. Uh, if if you if you don't have Sirius XM, you miss down at the Arizona Fall League. We had so many guys down there yeah. that we were looking at. You were doing play by play, and then they were replaying some of the games. So I'd go into the gym at night, pop in my car, and there you were doing play by play, Arizona Fall League. So Give us an update on what you saw from A's guys down at the Arizona Fall League. I, I think it was a really intriguing collection of prospects that they had there because you had players who had risk but upside, like Lawrence Butler and Denzel Clark, who, you know, Butler is an outfielder now, may end up as a first baseman who's had a lot of injuries, who hasn't had a chance to, to really – this was kind of like his first real full season – um, as a former high school draftee. And Denzel Clark is just like this crazy great athletic outfielder that you, you normally don't see the, that kind of collection of tools that comes out of a player from the college ranks. You know, like it's similar to like a George Springer collection of tools, maybe with, you know, and Springer had concerns about how much contact he was going to make coming out of the, the, the draft too. I think that's a big question with, with Clark. But also he went to Northridge, which is not like – not the place that you're necessarily looking to find a beautiful like a Cal tool State player. Northridge. Right. By the way, Denzel Clark, my old college teammate at San Jose State, is yeah. his agent. Is he? Mark is O'Brien. He? Yeah. So and I saw him at an event, and he told me he goes, he goes, I writ and this, and my Mark O'Brien. So he's coached at Stanford. He's coached at San Jose State. He was the head coach at Santa Clara. Uh, now an agent. He said, I my I would state my career on this kid. 
That's how good he thinks he's going to be. It sounds like the makeup is great. You know, like you know his background too, right? Like his mom was a heptathlete, yeah. And like he has uncles that have played in the CFL, and um, and I think a, maybe a cousin or something played professional basketball. Plus, he's he's cousins with the Naylor brothers, with with Bo and uh, um, Josh, the the Guardians uh, catcher and first baseman. And there's a there's a younger Naylor that's going to be in this draft too. So like th- there's he's just got great athletic bloodlines in that regard right and just he's got a ton of athletes that are around him in his family and he he's a really exciting guy but the one that I think everybody was talking about and should be talking about is Mason Miller who throwing gas throwing strikes at 100 miles an hour consistently with two legit secondary pitches and you know, listen, he didn't win the pitcher of the fall league. Connor Thomas from the Cardinals was very good, but Thomas is more like a back-end kind of lefty. Miller has the makings, if he can stay healthy, and he continues to throw strikes like he is now, of being a, a you know, one, two, or three starter, probably a number three type starter as a ceiling, which is, you know, that sounds like at times like you're damning somebody with faint praise, but those are the guys that go to all-star games, some of them win Cy Young Awards. Like, number three starters are really, really good pitchers. I mean, those are guys that are like, you know, maybe like peak Chris Bassett. Think that, right? Like, so, except a guy throwing 100. And there's a chance that he could be better than that, too, based on the stuff. So I would say those three guys stood out. I would like to see more of, of Cusick. Um, it wasn't great in terms of control when I saw him. Um, I'm really curious to see how JT Ginn develops because Ginn was a guy that in high school was like a smoke throwing right hander. And I know it's not the case anymore, right? Well, and and what I I heard the comp was Tim Hudson now. Okay, so and that's interesting. Well, he's a sinker slider guy, right? Yeah. He plays for the A's, and he was a good hitter in high school and was a two way player at Mississippi State, right? So that's real easy to put that stuff together. What I'm curious about, and I haven't had a chance to ask anybody, is whether or not Ginn went from being that four-seam guy with the power breaking ball to being the sinker-slider guy in part because of the way his pitch is played. Like, how did, did the four-seam not have the right carry? Did it not have the right um, vertical break? You know, like all the nerd stuff that we talk about yeah. now. And I wonder if that's changed or if it's out of necessity because he doesn't he hasn't gotten that velocity back yet because he, you know, he was hurt. But – He's a really – I mean, he has been famous for a long time. I saw him in high school, um, and he was a really good player then. So it, it's an intriguing collection of guys that they had in the fall league. And, you know, that did, doesn't even count guys like Soderstrom who are going to likely impact the big leagues at some point this year. Their system is coming along, and I think that there are some players to really be excited about. But if if I had to – if there were one guy that I wanted to follow this year to see whether or not he could stay healthy and take that next step, it would be Mason Miller. I think I like it. I think you'll like it too, A's fans. And right now, everybody – so we had David Force here yesterday, less than 24 hours ago, going all this stuff you're hearing about, Sean Murphy's a little overblown. So Rosenthal's putting out there his lead thing this morning is about, you know, Sean Murphy – A's are talent teams that they want major, some major league talent in the deal. Um, as a poker player, I mean, whether Murphy goes well, we're here or not, who knows. But the thing is, it's the leverage. It's the leverage that we don't have to move Murph. We can move him at the, uh, we can move him at the deadline. We could move him next year. It's the ability at these meetings when everybody's together, 
how good of a poker player you yeah. are. I think it's I think it's a good point. I also think that there's probably not a Murphy trade happening here uh, unless somebody you know, meets a very high price in part because the free agent market is going to dominate this. And there is a free agent catcher who, while he's not the defender that Murphy is, is a really good offensive player in Wilson Contreras. So um, the way it generally works is, like, you check in on free agents, right? At least the way it's been explained to me is you check in on free agents, you get sticker shock, you go to the trade market, you get sticker shock, then you negotiate deals <laughs> with free agents, right? And then well, you don't have to give anybody up. Right, free agency. Right, and, yeah. and yeah. then and then you and then you have leverage and trade. Now, the thing that Murphy has going for him is that he is with three years of control, inexpensive. He's a better defender than Contreras. Um, I think if you were an acquiring team thinking about getting him out of the Coliseum, you're you're betting on the batted ball data being a little bit better in terms of like leading to better results in terms of his offense. Not that Murphy's been bad offensively; he hasn't been. Like he's power hitting catcher like those guys don't grow on trees and then you get the respect of of the pitchers have for him like all of those and so he fits a lot he checks a lot of boxes and he checks a lot of needs for teams that have farm systems that line up really well with what the A's need right so the Guardians are right at the forefront of that the Twins I think certainly would fit they have a a need for a catcher they want somebody to pair with Ryan Jeffries Um, they have you know St. Louis obviously has a very deep farm system um, and have a needed catcher with Yadier Molina retiring. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of different places. Boston needs catching, right? And they have a deeper farm system than certainly they had two years ago. And so there are all these spots that fit for Murphy. And the, the risk you run at going to the deadline is that it, I think it's a lot harder to deal for a catcher there who's going to be your primary catcher than it is at other times of the year because then all of a sudden they're having to learn a new staff on the run. It's not, it doesn't mean it can't happen. I think the Rangers did it with John Lucroy um, probably five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago now. Um, and so, like, you can do it if you're a pro like Murphy is, but it's a lot easier, I think, to make that acquisition in the offseason. And really it's the position of the best depth for the A's. Oh. And – and so, like, you're dealing from a position of strength. And on the trade market, your only other options are really what you have in Toronto, which is, you know, like, you can play at a couple of different levels there, right? Like Danny Jansen, really good defender with some power, two years of control left, right? Uh, Alejandro Kirk, maybe not going to age the best, or at least that's a concern <laughs> because he's um, – but the dude can really rake. I mean, he was an all-star, you know, and he can hit. Like, he, he can hit enough that you could put him at the DH spot and not feel like you were losing anything, and he's a good receiver. And then you've got Gabriel Moreno, who has six years of control left and who has the highest ceiling, but also probably the lowest floor out of the bunch. He hits the ball really hard, super athletic, um, probably stays behind the plate, may not end up with big over-the-fence power, but could hit a ton of, of line drive doubles and triples. And so – um, that's kind of what the trade market is. The Jays are going to trade, would consider trading one of those guys, but also because Moreno has options left, they don't need to trade any. And so Murphy becomes a really attractive fit, plus he's a little bit more established. So I think it's it's fair to say that it's not necessarily going to happen or things may, be, may not be as close as it sounded the other night, but I also would not be surprised if Sean Murphy were dealt, and I think there's a chance that he's 
the biggest name that gets dealt, if not here, then over the course of the few days after the winter meetings. All right, the big name, obviously, Aaron Judge, and just like we were in 2019, we're right next <laughs> to the Yes Network when Garrett Cole signed, everything went nuts. You know, last night, Monday Night Football, you had Aaron Judge there in Tampa Bay. Reports were that he was heading this way to San Diego. Who knows? But I do believe everything I read on Twitter. I mean, Brian Hoke reported it, who is a really good reporter for MLB.com who covers the Yankees. So I'm inclined to believe it. So I've been trying to tell people, like, if I'm the Yankees, if I'm the Yankees and I sign him, it's but if I'm like the Giants and I can sign him, yes, I'm not married him 9, 10, 11 years, but I want to capitalize on my business now. Right. I want to capitalize on season tickets before Christmas. I want to sell jerseys, jerseys, caps. You know, I want if I want to do a deal with Aaron Judge, I don't want I don't want the he's going to sign when he wants to sign. But I don't want to go Machado Harper into spring training. I'd love to do it here and get my bank for the the initial buck on my investment. I don't think you're going to have to wait that long. And Judge's preference you think goes was down to sign. Judge was Judge's preference was to sign early, right? Yeah. And so the safe money has been on him signing at the winter meetings. Now, the fact that he's showing up may mean that he doesn't have the deal yet that he wants. He wants to grease it a little bit, right? He may want to grease it, and you know, like he should get pretty close to what that number is. I mean, based on the Turner deal yesterday at, what, 11 and 300 to the Phillies, like there are, there is a very good chance that Aaron Judge gets to his number, which I'm going to guess is about $37 million a year for probably around nine or ten seasons. Now the question is, who's going to do it? Is it going to be the Giants? Are the Yankees, they don't have to necessarily circle back to the Yankees on something like that. Will the Yankees push to that level? I mean, they very rarely lose a player like this when, when, even if they hit free agency, when they really want them and they really want Judge. Are the Dodgers lurking? You know, are they willing to do a longer-term commitment? I'm a little more skeptical on that because I don't. There's a lot of reasons for it, not the least of which is they have a couple of players who are a little bit younger that are already signed for a long period of time. The other is they exceeded the luxury tax. And one of the reasons the Dodgers keep having success is that they've done a great job building their farm system, um, even when they've been picking at the end via the draft and international uh, signings, and they would lose a second rounder, a fifth rounder, and a million dollars in international pool money to sign Judge. So that's a lot of, for any of the qualifying offer free agents, so that's a lot of other stuff that you lose as a result, which may not sound like it's a big deal, but when you're trying to develop an organization that's consistently winning, like you have to pick and choose, especially after you lost all of those elements last year for signing Freddie Freeman. So there's there's a lot of different factors at play, I think, that are um, in this with Judge. But, you know, I hope he shows up here. I'm very curious to see what that would be like. I would be interested to know who the teams that are that are lurking. I mean, he was wearing a Bucks jersey last night, right, at the game. Um, and so, like, they're the mystery team, apparently, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady tried to get him to play tight end last year. So what if Aaron Judge ends up signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to replace Rob Gronkowski? Chris Townsend, I turn it to you. You're the football expert. Your thoughts? I love the idea. I think about how athletic he is. Can you imagine him in goal line? He, was, recruited, he was actually recruited by Pac-12 schools as a as – a, um, as a wide receiver tight end how, out of high school. How, how are you going to – you know, we've talked, you know, because LeBron played in high school. Yeah. And we've talked about when you're on the goal line and you got a guy that size, all you got to do is throw it up. How would you defend him when every DB's 5'9", 5'10"? <laughs> how would you defend that? So you're, a t- you're an easy touchdown. It's how Terrell Pryor actually became go. became somebody, former Raider who, quarterback. Who was the uh, – 
Yeah, the great Chargers tight end. Who's Antonio the basketball Gates. Play, player at Kent State. Yeah, yeah, Antonio Gates. Yep. Yeah. All right, so shortstops. I had four. We're coming in. You know, you want themes, right? I had these four questions. Who's the best bet? Who's the biggest gambler risk? Who's the best long-term option? Who will play shortstop the longest? Well, all of a sudden, Turner gets uh, – Sam Folds coming up here in a couple minutes. But, Sam, you, you got Turner gets 11 years. I think that kind of, like, changes everything, right? Now, now, if you're the other three guys, you're, hey, if he got 11, now what, what can I get? The thing for Correa has – you know, we watch him as much as anybody – why? Why isn't everybody in on Correa? Why isn't I think everybody, everybody is? Are they? Yeah. I mean, why I is he on his isn't. third team at twenty-eight? Um, if the if the Twins don't re-sign him, it'd be on his third which team, which I think is a real possibility. Like I think he could go back to the Twins. I think the biggest reason is that he changed agents in the middle of the lockout last year, and the way the market was going, it was the best thing for him was to try and take that shorter-term deal with the opt-out. Plus, there were some concerns about his back, yeah, um, which seemed to have been Massages alleviated. that yeah. lead to bad backs. <laughs> right. I, don't think <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's quite that, but um, I think they, his, his back seems like it's, it's not an issue. I mean, the makeup is great. Like, I think he's a great player. He's the kind of guy that you want in your clubhouse. He's a team leader. Um, he's still texting his Twins teammates from what Rocco Baldelli told us, like offering him encouragement and checking in on him. Like, the guy is incredible. So I think it's more uh, uh, the market dynamics and him changing agencies in the middle of the lockout last year had that impact and forced him into a one-year deal. Um, to me, he is, you know, he's the youngest. He's the guy that's been the best run producer. I don't think he's quite as good defensively as what the defensive metric said in 21. But I think he's a pretty solid defender whose bat plays anywhere. Um, and I think all those intangibles make him really attractive. Now, the 11-year thing is interesting because I don't think that that's necessarily – I would focus on the total dollar value and not the years on Turner. Turner's deal is a little bit like Harper's in that they spread that money out over a little further so that it could allow Philadelphia to add more players and still at times stay under the soft cap that is the luxury tax. You know, that's why it's only like $27 million on average. And so I don't know that anybody's necessarily looking at the 11 years there and saying, okay, well, that's what the number is. Because I think what you're going to see with Correa is that he's going to, like, I think if I had to guess, Judge will sign and then Correa will sign after that with the years and dollar figures being more than Judge. Like, Judge is going to get in the 330 range, and I think Correa will be closer to 350. Out of these four guys... Who plays shortstop the longest? Um, so if I'm buying a shortstop, you know, we can always go, I can move the guy to third. Or even like Trey Turner, I can move him to outfield speed. Who yeah. actually plays when I'm writing in my scorebook six? Who I plays shortstop the longest? I think probably Swanson plays the longest. That's but I, I also thought. think he's the guy that I would be the most concerned about spending the money on. Not because I don't think Dansby Swanson is a good player. I just don't think he's a six-war player that he was last year. That was an outlier season. There's some swing and miss in the game. I think there's going to be a little bit more fluidity to his offense. I think he's closer to an above-average regular than he is the other guys. Like, Bogarts isn't a great defender at short. I know the metrics really liked him last year, but that guy's a monster offensive player, right? Like, he is a stud offensively. So I think that's a little bit – that's the way I would look at it is I think he's probably the best bet to stay at shortstop over the length of the contract, but he's also the guy that I would be most concerned about because I don't think that the – he's a good player, but he's not a superstar. 
Power Alley, Sirius XM. You should get it. It's not that expensive. They just had this great Black Friday offer. See? I mean. You should come work in our marketing department. I'm telling you. Hey, if you want a fan, I I listen. You know I listen. I'll text you when you listen. You guys do great work. I I steal from you. I steal from Brian Kinney and MLB Now. I steal from everybody. We are America's show prep. That's what we say on Power Alley. We are America's show prep. Yeah, because by the time I'm on, there's no chance anybody who's listening to you is listening to me. So it sounds like I came up with it. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm, I'm happy to not get credit for all of your ideas. Yeah, yeah. Tony. Don't think I'm. There's a reason why I've been in this business a long no. time. <laughs> Fake it till you make it, buddy. <laughs> but yes, folks, get Sirius XM. It is great. You'll love it as baseball fans. Uh, I'll see you a little bit later. Thank you for yes, your time. Great to see you guys. Former A and GM for the Philadelphia Phillies, Sam Fole, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. Tony, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Great news! Our indoor dining is back, along with our beautiful patio dining. Come taste our world-famous chicken pie that has been served in Southern California for 83 years. The Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek has one of the most dynamic menus, plus a full bar. Hot pies, gourmet burgers, sandwiches, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget, we still do takeout and delivery. For all the information, go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, everybody watching and everybody listening knows our next guest. He's the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, but... He's a former player for our Oakland Athletics. He was a fan, a fan favorite. Sam Fold is with us, and it, it's great to have you back. I think the last time I interviewed was probably for, like, a pregame show. <laughs> Seems like an eternity ago, but, yeah, um, lots happened in the interim, that's for sure. Well, congratulations on everything that's been happening. Obviously, the World Series, that had to be just one hell of a ride. I mean, talk about what that was like. I know September ended up being a little bit rough. We were following for you. Dave Dombrowski, love him. And uh, he was actually the first GM I ever interviewed. So we were rooting for you guys. And the next thing, you get in, and the rest is history. Quite a, quite a wild ride of a season. I mean, just going back to the, the adversity that we faced early on when we struggled and, and you know, made a change at the managerial position and uh, dealt with a, a lot of you know, adversity, as teams tend to do. But you know, losing Bryce Harper for a big chunk of our season and you know, losing Zach Wheeler towards the end of the season for a little bit. Uh, it was a really neat a neat season. I think once we got into the playoffs and broke that 11-year playoff uh, drought, it felt like the whole city, the whole clubhouse, 
breathed a sigh of relief. And I think baseball's a, a, a good game to play with without a lot of pressure. And I think we all felt that pressure uh, to get into the playoffs. And then once we got in, it was um, our, our guys just did a great job of sort of having fun, staying focused, and just staying in the moment. And uh, those are all cliche things to say, but I really think it helped us get in, uh, you know, make make that deep run that we did. And I think having dealt with all those uh, challenges throughout the course of the year, I think it gave our, our guys a lot of a lot of confidence going into the playoffs. So it was, it was quite a wild ride, quite a month. Yeah, I thought – I talked about it on this show about how you guys remind me of, like, that group of, like, really good players, like a summer ball team where you start playing, figure each other out. But by the end, everybody's drinking beers, loves each other, loves the manager, and you just become unbeatable, right? I mean – the way you guys gelled and the way everybody looked, ah, oh, you guys are the underdogs. You're like, why would you wouldn't want to play the Phillies? The way that you guys, you guys had everything, and and Rob takes over, and just it was just it was just like poetry in motion of what chemistry is, which is so tough to build. For sure, I think uh, a lot of that, yeah, that chemistry evolved as, uh, over the course of the season, as I said, and I think, you know, when we made some we made some acquisitions at the deadline that I helped. I think we're additive to the clubhouse. Um, you know, guys like Brandon Marsh brought that youthful energy and just bought right into what we were doing. Uh, and, and, you know, some the off-season acquisitions that we made. I mean, Kyle Schwarber can't get enough credit for what he did outside the lines for us. Uh, and I think he pulled helped pull everybody together. And uh, it was pretty special. There was a lot of a lot of dancing and drinking as, as yeah. there happens <laughs> to be when you, when you go advance uh, round to round. And, yeah. Uh, it did feel I, I saw somebody did compare us to kind of a college baseball team. I think that was yeah. a good, good analogy because um, a lot of energy and a lot of fun uh, innings one through nine, and a lot of energy and a lot of fun you know after games too. Now, obviously, you can't talk about what everybody knows now here in San Diego, but obviously, a big deal is out there for the Philly uh, for the Phillies. So at least we could talk about building on this team that went to the World Series, adding players, adding big-name players, just how key is that to keep that momentum in Philadelphia? I think everybody's excited about the, the run that we made, uh, you know, but I think we recognize we still have plenty of room to, to be better, um, both in terms of the development of our, of our players internally, you know, from, from the Dominican League on up. I think we, we have lots, to work, lots of work to do on the, on the player development side and to continue to try to bring in the best players that we possibly can on the amateur side and, and through, you know, pro acquisitions, I think we just have a lot of work to do. So um, we love our team as it exists now, but but there's obviously a lot of opportunity uh, to upgrade in different ways. And, yeah, I think that's – we want to continue, continue to keep this momentum going. I think the, the city got really excited and it was amazing to feel the energy of that – of the city of Philadelphia, particularly towards the end there and the last month of October was just phenomenal. And I think – our players, our staff, everybody who had been with the Phillies for a while, had not experienced any playoff baseball, had heard about what playoff baseball is like in Philadelphia. We all got a taste of it, and and Crazy. everybody's thirsty. From sounded home. like everybody said it sounded like being in a club. It was so loud, and you got the Eagles going so good. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. uh, what's happening in Philadelphia right it's, now. It's a good time. Yeah, no, it's great. It's I, I don't know how much of it. You know, obviously people talk about kind of feeding off each other, and who knows if there's any truth to that. But it is definitely a fun time to be a Philadelphia sports fan right now. And just how much does it suck? You know, for all of us who are just baseball fans, and, you know, when someone like Bryce Harper's got to have surgery and he's going to be out for a while, he was out, as you talked about earlier this year, when he – when he hurt the hand, it's just it's it's not great for the game. You want your stars to be healthy. Uh, any idea when you think he might be back, and just how tough is it with that elbow? 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's a, it's a two-time MVP that you're taking out of the lineup. That's that's uh, that's going to be a challenge for us. Luckily, we we have dealt with it in, in recent history and and played good baseball without him. We know we're better with him, and we'll be excited when he comes back. I think you know we're just a couple weeks removed from the surgery and everything's going well, going according to plan. But obviously, a lot of a lot of time in between now and and when we would expect him back in there. But you know, like we've said, I think. Sometime around the All-Star break um, seems like a reasonable timeline, and uh, but there's some variability in that in e- either direction. So anxious to see how he responds and anxious to get him back in the lineup. But in the meantime, I think we'll be, um, we'll be ready to go without him at the beginning of the year. Your time with the A's. I know Bob Melvin loved you and fans loved you. Just talk about your time playing there. It was special because there was, you know, the, the fan base, they were always rooting hard for you. Just what was it like for your time being an A? It was great. It was great. You know, I, I had familiarity with the Bay Area. Uh, I haven't gone to school out that way. And I just, I mean, you know, love, love being out there. Love that. Love the city. Uh, love, just love the Bay Area for everything that it brings. Um, and that, the, you know, the first year, I was excited. I was, I was non-tendered by Tampa and, and hit sort of free agency for the first time and was, was excited to you know, sign a minor league deal with the, with Oakland that off season and, but felt like I had a chance to, to help and make a team. And I did, was fortunate enough to make the team out of spring training. And, um, it was just a, an immediately like comfortable feeling started with Bowmel and, and really the front office and just the environment that they created inside the clubhouse. And, uh, we were a bunch of sort of underdogs in that clubhouse yeah. and, and that year turned out to be really neat. You know, that was 2014 was a really, neat year it was an odd year for me I was I was I made the team out of camp designated about two or three weeks into the season played played in Minnesota for about three months and then got traded back, back to, yeah. to Oakland it was uh, kind of a wacky year but it was you know once I got back at the deadline at the time we were the best team in baseball uh, and I was you know the, the Lester Cespedes trade got more attention then and uh, yeah. and um, you know we dealt with some adversity there towards the end and obviously still were able to get into the playoffs and have that heartbreaking wild card loss to the Royals um, but that that whole that whole year was was really fun I mean play, never forget playing Sunday night baseball against the Angels in a full like packed out Coliseum that was as you know just about as loud as any environment that I've ever played on played in and um that's when you sort of felt like the energy of, of the fans in Oakland and realized how passionate they are. In a lot of ways, I think about it now because the Philly fans are, are similar. They're passionate. They'll let you know when you're doing well. They'll let you know when it's you're not doing collar, well. It's the blue collar, right? It yeah. is, yeah. So I, I experienced that, you know, I guess eight, nine years ago playing in Oakland, and I'll, I'll never forget that energy. Let, let's end on this. Do, do, do you get any, when you, when you think back of your time in Oakland, what you learned in Oakland and what you're doing now, so when you're ever making decisions or you're thinking about building the team or how to run a team or what the clubhouse should look like, the manager, all that kind of stuff, do, do you ever refer back to your days in Oakland? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, there, there's limits to what you learn as a player. Um, it was great to have Billy and David and others around um, and tried to learn from them, knowing that, you know, there was always a piece of my mind that occupied, like, what's next when I'm done playing? And you know, I was never good enough to really know that I would play, you know, into my 30s. I thought you know, I almost probably got – my my season, my career probably almost ended in a ball when I was hitting 220 as a 23 year old uh, with no no signing bonus and so I I was always thinking about next steps in my in my career and I couldn't help but just sort of want to learn and and um, you know s- ingest as much information from those guys as possible so it was cool to see obviously Oakland and, and my previous team I played for in Tampa been, like they're the poster children for how to how to 
get a lot out of you know maybe limited resources and so I, I knew to try to soak in as much info from them as possible and I enjoyed every conversation I had with Billy and David then well I can tell you one of the cool things about my job is you know all the years being around this ball club and all, everybody that comes through is I see you guys as players and then I watch you after and then now be a GM that's uh, really special so Congratulations yeah. on everything you've earned, everything and you deserve everything you've gotten. I appreciate it. No, it's been a good, it's been a good ride, and I, uh, it, it does in a lot of ways feel like yesterday I was strapping on the, right? the white cleats. It doesn't seem like that long yeah. ago, and like Sam no. Paul's the GM. What no. we were just interviewing. All my, him. I mean, all my. It's funny. I just look at like the Mets team, they, you know, with Mark Canna and Chris Bassett, all my former teammates. There, there's still a lot of guys, you know, playing, and it just does feel like yesterday that we were. Uh, you know, cozied up in the in the confines of the Coliseum and, um, and so many great memories. There. Well, soon you can talk about this new person that's supposedly coming to Philly that you can be very excited about. That sounds like a plan. I hope it's soon. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the time. You bet. Thanks the great Samfold right here on A's Cast Live. Oakland Athletics spring training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, we're going to have to come up with a new thing here. Instead of everything I, I, I believe, everything I read on Twitter, or everything I believe, I believe everything I read on the internet, I think the new one's going to have to believe, be, I believe every rumor I hear at the, the winter meetings. Do you hear a new one that I don't know about? No, you just gave it to me. That oh, from Time. Yeah, it was a from Time, like Time Magazine. I'm assuming yeah, it was a. It was a. Let me pull it up. Time Magazine is in the winter meetings business now. According to how is that possible? Aaron Judge unhappy says he was a little upset when Brian Cashman revealed the Yankees' initial 213 and a half million dollar offer. Right, that's in old news. But that's according to Time. But so Judge was upset. I don't know. Maybe that's what Bleacher Report sent it to me from Time Magazine. So it must be big, a big deal. Especially if Judge well, is going to well, be Well, I mean, I don't know why people get all freaked out about that. Well, the reason is, it's simple. It's because now Aaron Judge has to answer why he turned over $200 million down. And, and let me tell you, to the average person, especially when you're playing in the Bronx, I mean, you think about that. You got your fan base coming from these boroughs, and you've turned down $200 million. Uh, this is a This is a hardcore audience, the Yankee fans. And people who are, you know, struggling to survive, and you're turning down 200 million, it's it's not always a great look. So now you kind of put him on the defensive by saying, "Hey, listen, we love the guy, we love the player, we offered him 200 million, he turned it down." But you know what? That's the business. And if you want more money, and that's just a reality, I'm sure when 
these conversations happen at NBC Sports California, and they have this, they have the unbelievable talent that is the multi-talent of the great Brody Brazil. I'm sure the contract negotiations are, are not easy. They're probably unpleasant as Brody deserves a lot of years and a lot of money, and you let them know that you deserve a lot. I mean, you're kind of like the Aaron Judge of cable television. I asked Stu to be my agent because he's done that before. Correct. Stu says, I will not be your agent. He can't get you enough? (laughs) He's like, I have no leverage here. I've got a bad product to deal with. Good morning. How's it going? How are you doing? Uh, My first winter meetings. What do you think of our, Uh, our, our little world here? So you guys have a good setup. There's a lot of standing around here. Have you noticed that? And, and you, it, your guys are busy, right? But I even for and, me to get here. And, 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 and everybody's on the phone acting like something's going on. Scrolling, looking around. Yeah. And you know the other thing, too, is how many of us really only know each other from seeing each other, you know, or conversing on social media or seeing each other on a screen or whatever. So then when you see somebody in person, it's like you get that weird, I know you, but I don't know you. And I know your face, but I, I don't know you. So there's all these awkward interactions, at least personally speaking. So <laughs> there's a lot of catching eyes with people, and you're like, do I, I, do, I, I do know you. Wait, we don't know each other, but I, I know of you. So, uh, yeah, this is, um, I guess, if we get, like, some blockbuster news, if we get that judge news, I'll be interested to see what this place looks like. But as for now until then, <laughs> it's a lot of standing around. All right, so, two, so 2019, the winter meetings were here. Yeah. We were in the exact same location. Okay. Yes Network was in this, the exact same location. Uh-huh. Yep. And that's when Garrett Cole signed. What was that like? Like a bomb went off. <laughs> you you would have thought the president of the United States was coming through, and here comes the Secret Service. I mean, it was. Was just, there a motorcade involved? It, it in was this? pandemonium. Uh. So if that go, if the judge thing goes down, it will be it, it will be huge. I know you got a lot of. Uh, uh, people that from NBC that are here our about gi- that. Our giant side, hey, how do, how do we feel about all this? We, look, let's just be honest. Do we care? Do we want him to be a giant? Do we want him to stay a Yankee? Do we, do we want him in the opposite league? Just get him out of that? Do we want him in the Bay Area? Uh, Is that just another shadow we're going to have to live under? Yeah, for, uh, I don't want him in San Francisco. Let's years? be honest. I don't want him there. He's 31, though. He's not going to last 15. <laughs> but I don't want he, – he's going to dominate the coverage for, like, the rest of 100%, our career. 100%. 100%. Because we will retire, right? Actually, I'll, uh, I probably won't. No. I got to. If, if Korak's point. not retiring, I'm not retiring. I'm just, I'm just, I look at it to where the last thing I want to do is everything about every, every, every moment, everywhere I go, I don't want to be about the Giants and Aaron Judge. Yep. I, I like it when the Giants are not good. Can I tell you my biggest disappointment so far? I, uh, I tried to secure a Rob Manfred interview. How'd that work? <laughs> <laughs> one sentence reply from Major League. Actually, two sentences. I think the first one was cordial. Thank you so much for your interest. We appreciate you. you know, coverage, da-da-da. The commissioner will be unavailable. That was, how many words that? The commissioner will be, five words. Well, what would be great is, is you've done, you've been doing a great job, by the way, with your YouTube channel, interviewing the potential mayors. Yeah. And now we have a mayor. Shang Tao, yeah. So, how do you feel you've got – Lauren Taylor was the favorite. Right. Didn't and he ac- win. He actually had more if – if I'm correct here, more votes, but in ranked choice voting, that's not the way it works. It was so tight, Like most so first-place votes, but he didn't win the Heisman. 
<laughs> you know what? I never thought about it that way. <laughs> right? But it, it is, and that's why it took, what, more than a week to figure and sort all this out. I mean, and it really was razor thin, the margin of, of, of how she won. But, well, look, that's the way it is, and that's what happened. Everybody's asking, so what does that mean for Howard Terminal? First off, we should all establish Oakland has some other issues it needs to resolve, and, and a new mayor or just any mayor has a lot of responsibilities in that. But as for the piece of the pie that we care about, the ballpark, the negotiations, so she's somebody who's not even been in the, the conversation, in the direct dealings with the baseball team and the city. She's allowed staff to do that. That's how all city councils are, uh, members are. But now when she gets to the point of being mayor, she will be hands-on. So it's yet to be seen how exactly she will guide this. Obviously, Libby Schaff did a lot of the heavy lifting to get the process and the project at least where it is now. Um, I do think Shang Tao is motivated to do this. I think Lauren Taylor was maybe a bit more polished on what he said, how he, how he talked about Howard Terminal versus how Mayor-elect Tao has done it so far. But I don't, I don't want to take anything away from you know, her motivation to get a good deal done and to get good things happening in Oakland. So I'm, I'm, it's, not, it's, it's a different thing than what we've been used to, but it's not a bad thing. One thing that's really interesting about this and a lot of people, you may not know, you don't care. Brody's been doing a great job keeping you updated on this. Hang on, hang on. You, you keep going. Hang on. So has, uh, so has Casey Pratt, our buddy Casey Pratt's done a great deal. Yeah, bust that out. Bust that out. Most people have no idea what the well, here in San Diego. Anybody know what this shirt is? But to us, this means something. Anybody know what Howard Terminal is? Nope. Is they don't know. infrastructure money. Oh, yeah. Infrastructure money. It's a sexy pl- conversation, it's play- by the way. It's playing a really big, because the money that's going to be for this project, if the project doesn't go, right, they don't get to then say, well, we're now going to take this infrastructure money and we're going to go somewhere. No, they lose the infrastructure It's scholarship money. money. Like, I'm giving you the money to go to pick, pick a fancy school. San Jose State. <laughs> Harvard of the West. I think that's only about five grand a year. But, okay, but I say. Stanford. To, oh, well, now we're up the road a little bit. All right, what is that, 40 grand? So I say, Townie, if you're not going to be a Cardinal, I'm taking that. If, you, if you're going to go to San Jose State instead, you can't pocket the 35 grand a year and use the five for tuition. You have to use it for the ballpark uh, and the project. I, sh- I should take it back. This is not necessarily only for the, the ballpark. This is for the neighborhood. So you're right. And the only criticism against Oakland is that they've been working hard to get these grants from the state and federal levels. And, you know, was their time better spent elsewhere? Was there an opportunity to work on other things? But this is important, too. And I think the bottom line is this is the hard way to do it, to ask the federal government and the state for money. But this is happening, and it's made progress. It's still got a ways to go. But this is, this is the biggest bottleneck right now of how, how they're going to pay for everything surrounding Howard Terminal. Two things. You mentioned, uh, well, we talked about the commissioner a second ago. You know, Gary Bettman of the NHL showed up to a a, a city council meeting in Tempe when they had the vote last week to get the Coyotes, their new arena in Tempe. I'm not going to put all, and, and this is the reason why I wanted to talk to Commissioner Manfred. At some point, will MLB, I'm not even saying take sides, but will they put a little bit of muscle into this conversation? Will Rob Manfred show up? And, and maybe the time has not yet come where it's necessary. Will he show up to an Oakland City Council meeting? Will he promise the, the city, you know, perks that baseball can give, an all-star game of this or that over, over the years, just like Gary Bettman did? I thought that was very interesting that one league literally showed up for its team 
you know, in a, in a big vote. And we've yet to really see MLB jump behind, obviously, what the A's have been pushing for in Oakland. That's a great point because they've kind of been the, well, we're going to talk to the national media. Well, we're going to kind of let you know. But where are where are you in this fight? You've secretly right. – I mean, I can tell you they've – Manfred has secretly shown up for meetings in the Bay Area when I've known he's going to be in town yeah. at different times. I mean, you're talking about don't, don't show up to the Jack London offices secretly. Show up. Put your face out well, there. Show up to a meeting. It's, it's kind of like – I mean, go back to another issue, and this was obviously not him as the commissioner, but baseball and steroids. Did they not know things were happening? Did they just go, well, just look the other way? And I feel like right now, with Howard Terminal so far, hey, let's let, you know, we're going to pressure you. We're going to say, hey, we need you in Tampa to get your stuff straight, but we're also not going to tell you what to go, where to do. We're not going to help you. We're just going to say you take care of it. I I would love to see, you know, their their, uh, input their, you know, their their influence on this. You know, I walked by Petco Park yesterday, and it, I don't know why it never struck me before. If that place didn't get built in the early 2000s, would the Padres still be in San Diego? Like, Jack Murphy was falling apart. What does that remind you of? San Diego lost the Chargers. San Diego lost a professional basketball team. What does that remind you of? San Diego and Oakland, different in many ways, but sporting-wise and what they did to keep the Padres. And now you walk around there, and they, have, they only got their first, like, real good season in that ballpark this past year. But ever since then, the atmosphere has been electric. Look at the buildings and condos and development that's gone up. I mean, it, it literally is a blueprint for, for what Howard Terminal could be. And I, it's crazy. I mean, I, I've been talking about this for months now, but when I just came down here and walked the neighborhood again, I hadn't been down in, I don't know, a couple of years but it just it struck me all over again. Like, we're looking at literally the, the blueprint right there. Yeah, and what people need to understand, too, is that, yeah, it's a fight. Because down here in San Diego, there was opposition. It, yeah. it was two years. It's the reason why Tony Gwynn never got to play in the stadium because right. it got pushed back two years. Right, right. But the reality is the gas lamp, the gas lamp was always where the Super Bowl parties would be. Right. But once they built Petco, it completely changed downtown. Right. So when you have, and I and I read the stuff coming out of Oakland, and I hear what people People say and there, but it's like you want to go, okay, if you don't want to just look across the bay at San Francisco, right? This is a place that you can look at to say, okay, what happens if you build a new ballpark? What happens if you go all in, right. you make that commitment? This is a great example of what can happen to your downtown, to Howard Terminal, to that whole area. I mean, the fact that you'd be building on the port, which which has never really thought of as a possibility, no. what that could do for it's, the city. It's hard to even get that approved. And quite honestly, that part of this process has already happened. The approval, the land designation, like the hardest parts of this are already in the bag. Um, you know what else Petco Park has right next to it? Dare I say, <gasps> train tracks. Oh, my goodness. That's such I a problem. I walked across them today. That's such a problem. And, and, and look, that is something the opposition just has as a as a tactic or whatever and it's been talked about uh i crossed them too yesterday back and forth i mean they they literally built that ballpark within uh, a baseball's throw of of a, of, a, of a full rail yard over there so if it can be done here and it's it's lived on for almost 20 years now i'm pretty confident 
we can build a replica, an it, even better replica. It's almost like we need to get a bunch of Southwest flights for everybody in Oakland and bring them down and say, <laughs> "Look at this." Uh, no, this, seriously, this is what we're talking seriously, about. Seriously, I okay. I made a video yesterday. It's going to go up on NBC today. I did a walking tour, and I'm not here to say that I'm rehashing all my material from the video. But please promote this is no, your audience. No, I don't even. I don't. Even, I'm not this even. This audience no, loves you. I just want to give you Brody Brazil. I'm trying for to. Gi- I'm trying to give you the best thoughts and content and, and perspectives on it, and that's what this is, right? This is. You're right. This needs to be. This needs to be shared with people back home. Like they need to be reminded of what. And while we're here, while baseball is here. Um, they need to be reminded of, of what could be possible and like what it looks like when it's done. Because right now, what we've seen renderings, we've heard this, we've heard that, aerial shots, you know. But like, let's see what it could look like when completed. You know, going back to my time with the Raiders, and I always dealt with this, and I say this a lot now with the A's, is you know when there's a lot of naysayers and a lot of people tell you why it's not going to be a good deal. I always think about tell me why if the team leaves, how it's good for the city. You, like I said before, do you think the Padres – you know what else I saw? On this date in, like, 74, the Padres almost went to Washington. I, I, didn't even know, I don't even know this story. And 74 no. was way before, you know, Qualcomm, Jack Murphy was outdated. But, like, had the Padres not been able to secure this spot, are they still in San Diego right now? Are Probably. they the Vegas Padres? Are they, did they go to Montreal, right? Well, at one point, the Padres, the Las Vegas Stars were the Padres long-term, yeah. long-time, I should say, Triple yeah. A team. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like they've, li- they've kind of lived what we're, go- we're going through right now. So, yeah. And, and, and you know where you can also put that, too? I mean, not too long ago when they were talking about uh, getting rid of franchises. Remember they talked about Minnesota? Yeah, contraction. Uh, they, they, they worried about Seattle. I mean, look at Seattle. Look at T-Mobile, we will always remember Safeco. It's just not San Diego. It's just not San Francisco. Right. It's Minnesota. It's right. Seattle. It's all these different cities. Where, where you've built a ballpark, it has not failed the community. Right. Yeah, show me an example of where it went wrong. Now, it's gone wrong, I think, in, in the way some, some governments pay for it. They regret. I mean, but that's, we're, 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 that's on our table right now. We're, we're preventing against that. Like, that's, that's the whole part of this process is so that there are no regrets for the city of Oakland, right? To your point, yeah, as it's built out, show me an example of where it went wrong. There's not one. It's, it has gone wrong, I think, financially. But, that, again, that's, that's, the, that's why this is taking longer to get right so that we don't have, you know, that issue in retrospect. Is there anything, since you've been really – on this and investing, investigating this, is there anything that's out there that is just completely false, but the people who don't want the ballpark to happen just keep hammering this that we need to educate oh, people on? Yeah, there's been a few things, but they change over time, right? At first it was the port can't survive if you take away these 55 acres. And then, like, federal or, or – or, uh, Regional judges say, no, that's actually not true. Or the Port of Oakland says, no, that's actually not true. And then it's, well, the train tracks are in the way. And then they say, well, we can safely mitigate that. We've got examples. And then they say, um, it's going to take away money from Oakland schools. Or it's going to raise your taxes if you live in Oakland. And that's like, no, that's what an infrastructure tax district is. Like, it's going to pay for itself. So it's been one thing after the next, to be honest with you. I can't even pinpoint one. So it's kind of a moving target. But the good news is, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this, for those who are watching and saying, oh, my gosh, is this going to be another multiple years? I mean, I don't know the answer, but I'll tell you this. 
look in the rear view, look how much progress has been made. Two years ago, uh, we were not, this was not even on the table. I mean, this was, Howard Terminal was not a discussion for the Oakland City Council, for Alameda County Board of Supervisors. It was nowhere near important places. And now it's on their, on their doorstep. And it's been there for a while. I mean, it is frustrating to see, like, go back to the NHL. Those Coyotes get a brand-new arena approved in a matter of months. <laughs> Here we are years later. Oh, the, ti- I, the Titans I, have a new football stadium I that's do, going up. I do understand the, um, you know, comparisons and, and the frustration in that. But at the same regard, it doesn't matter 10 years down the road if, if and when this place is all done. You, you will forget. You actually will forget how long it took. You'll remember it, but it won't rub at you the same way it does right now. And when, when you talk to people like Dave Stewart, who is so involved now because of what his project with Nashville and the Nashville yeah. Stars, they will get a team when we start doing uh, expansion in baseball. As we've talked a lot about on the show, baseball wants to go to 32 teams. But Dave, who cares so much about Oakland, he's from Oakland, he's from that area right around the Coliseum, and, and it means so much to him. To really when I'm doing the show with him and I'm kind of picking, I'm filling in for you and I'm picking his brain, I mean, he really fears for Oakland if this doesn't go. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, people ask me, what would, what would you do next? Heck if I know. I don't really know. I've, I've tried to even not let my brain go there. But I think what you, do, what you do realize is that if it goes away, it's just not coming back. So that should be the number one thing that, you know, that scares people. Um, and I mean, you know, even even in the trends of people say, well, how's it going? I haven't heard anything in a couple of months. You kind of feel the trends of, well, I think it's getting better or, or some milestones happen. Or, uh, you know, you hear about maybe the fact that it, Shang Tao used the word unraveling at one point in terms of the city council side of, of viewing a, a deal and things moving forward. So, no, it's I don't you know, you it, it's drug on so long that I think people do get lost in the magnitude of it occasionally and that's not that's actually that's not good right because you get numb to it you get numb to this conversation we're having i mean imagine if it doesn't say oakland there on our backdrop anymore right like that's that's a possibility it's a real real thing i lived it i was like the last raiders person i had the last raiders (laughs) show i was working for the team (laughs) right i did john gruden on tv i I was the last dude i bet you cody will go to las vegas i bet you he'll go he looks like a vegas guy uh, believe it or not, actually, no, I've never gambled. Um, I'm cheap. So money. I, no, I didn't say you. Ga- I just said you look like a Vegas guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could buy a house. <laughs> I will say this. My wife would be happy. We could buy a house for oh. a lot cheaper there. You'll well, be, yeah, I mean, we're pro team. We go to Vegas, we go to Vegas. You'll be, I mean, you'll be penthouse on the strip somewhere. Uh, fans can't fault us. We work for the team, right? I mean, it is what it is. If the team's here, the team's here. If the team goes to Vegas, we go to Vegas. It is what it is. But we want it to be here. I, when I say here, I mean Oakland, right, not San right. Diego. I know what you're saying. But, I mean, it's, it's, that's the tough thing for us. I mean, it's like we – and, and you, something popped up on your timeline, though, that I, I went back and watched. And Uh-oh. I believe it was from opening day where we still call Libby Schaff mayor, right? Yeah, she's mayor in, until uh, January, I think, when Sheng Tao is uh, inaugurated. Okay, so it was opening day. Her and Dave Cavill raised mm-hmm. the flag. Yeah, right. And you did the interview. She was kind of at one point in the interview a little perturbed, and not with you, but no, probably with me. No, she it was it was she was <laughs> spot on. She she didn't want the city council to be able to pass the buck anymore. Right. If you go back and watch it, and I watched the whole thing, and she says this, she goes, "Listen, they all have full time jobs. 
They have full-time salaries. Now, full-time jobs as city council members. They've got full-time right. salaries. Right. They've got a staff to help they them They have out. a full staff, yep. and they've got everything. They've got all these different people that they can go to. She called them experts that they can go to yeah. to help them educate them. That's true. For Howard Terminal. So here was the mayor on opening day that said there's not a city council member that can play this they don't know because they're paid to know. They got people who are paid to know around them, and they have they have access to experts who are being paid to give them the knowledge. So when I look at this new mayor elect, I've heard the interview. I well, I, I watched the interview with you, and she's played the. I'm not saying she's bad or good or what. She's played the. I haven't been a part of negotiations. That takes me back to what Libby Schaff said. No, your staff. You've had every. You've had ample ample people around you and information you should know everything you shouldn't have to circle back and figure out anything new i'll i'll stand up for mayor-elect shang tao she the council members are just not part of the hands-on like we're in the room where it happens in the but moment they get updated on everything of course, no yeah. and, and she's not saying <clears throat> mayor-elect tao's not saying i don't know where this is at she's just saying up till this point I can't give you a firsthand account of like what's really going on, what it's going to take to bridge this gap. I would also say too, I mean, as we are here on the team's network, I also want to say that you know it, it, it's going to go both ways, right? The team and the city first have to come to a development agreement, and that's negotiations. That's not blaming one side or the other, but you know the the team and an agreement is part of this as 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 much as the city and an agreement are part of this. Um, so that's what's necessary, but I think smoothing it over, and you're right, you know, on, on the city side, there are obviously a few council members right now who are just flat out mediocre, if not negative, to the project. Yeah. And I won't even name them by name. If you follow this, you know who they are. I think it's they. It might. I don't know if I'm talking singular or multiple sometimes. There's at least one. There's two. There's at least one, there's and, and, and sometimes there's a second, but and I'm not here to talk down i mean this is why you have a council not all of them are going to be your best friend in this or are going to see it your way or whatever um or or it's the way politics works there they are influenced by others to have their have their position um but I, I i don't i don't think the council like if we're grading like how have they done to get it to this point fair enough right a passing grade but maybe to and they're waiting for numbers they're waiting for things to analyze at the same point so i'm not going to i'm not going to blame them but yeah it's hard sometimes to also balance what oakland has on its table uh crime school stuff budget stuff police stuff um housing stuff so it, I, i'm i'm i am going to take their back a little bit and say it's not been easy but then again how do other places do this so quickly that's probably the question. Well, she promised you that if she did win, she would do more video. I, you with saw you. that part? Yes, I told you. I watched. <laughs> I made sure that I. I know. I, I ended it. it with with her and Lauren by saying, "Now, uh, just want to establish here. I'm yeah. a sports guy. You're a politician. But if we could uh, be friends, you know, it's going to help both of us." No, no. Look, I, my my thing in all of this is I'm not, I'm I'm pretty clear. Like I have a stance. I'm 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 wearing a damn Howard Terminal shirt here at winter meetings. Anybody notice this, by the way? Probably, no. probably not. They, they you, like you're right. They don't even know what it is. But um, but these people do, and your people do. That's all. That <laughs> I know. But at the same, you know, at the same point, like I, I just I I want to help people understand what's going on. You're right. This is complicated. I favor the project. Even when I talk to a politician, the mayor, 
I'm going to let her know, like, I favor this. So my questions are going to be along that line, but I also am going to be fair about it. Yeah. I don't want Oakland to get – I don't want Oakland to do this and get screwed and then, uh-oh, now we're, we're all the bad people for decades to come. I just want it to work for everybody, and I know it can. I know it can. Now, one thing that I thought about, and I don't know how many people watching this right now and are going to watch it, and they're going to worry like me – is that when you see Brody Brazil in San Diego during hockey season, mm. you kind of go, what the hell's going on? Who's manning the ship well, back with the Sharks? Better question is, what's gone wrong with the Sharks' penalty kill? I think Cody's ears perked up. Like, Cody, there he what's goes. your answer? I mean, they were number one for a while. They were, Tony, they were killing penalties 91%. The next best team, and the, they were the best in the league, and they still are. Like, the Bruins were at 85 or 6 and then the last two games, five out of six periods, they allow a, a goal on the kill. It's just, yeah, it hasn't been good. Um, their season has been rough, but I'm, I'm used to that these days. Yeah, we're uh, – I'm, I'm mopping some things up lately. 102 losses in the baseball season, frustrating hockey season We're so having far. fun, though. This is fun. Oh, the two parallels could be Ace to get the number one pick tonight in the draft lottery. Oh, is that Sharks, Sharks go get Connor Shark, Bedard. Sharks go get Bedard, and there you go. The <laughs> Bay Area has two number one overall picks. You know what, though? Like, people have, people have asked me, people have commented, like, it's been rough for you. How are you doing with all this? And to be honest, I do care. But if this is as bad as it gets, I still love it. Are you still getting paid? Sometimes. You know, Sometimes. that's funny that people are like, oh, my God, you went through a long season. Sometimes. Like, yeah, the, the paycheck's still the same whether well, you want or the, you lose. Look, the work is harder, let's be honest. You know, and, and I don't so – people have said, well, is it – like, what do you guys talk about? I mean, that's us. How about you guys? You you are on for hours and hours at a time. What do you talk I'm on until 4 o'clock today. What do you, t- <laughs> what do you talk about when the, when the team goes, you know, in that rough of a stretch? Like, that's, that's the cool part about it. There's always something compelling, and we're fascinated by it. We're, you know, it just – when you are what we are, you're never bored. You're never you're never angry at it, even even at its worst. So, so you got that going for you. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, tomorrow's the next Sharks game. Uh-oh. There there are some flights that are between me and and Laura Britt, who's here covering the Giants because she's your backup. She's number one back backup on that. So I don't exactly know how it's. I w- I'm supposed to not do anything tomorrow. But if there's some Giants responsibilities, I might be over at the airport a few hours earlier. I don't know. I have no clue. I mean, there's a there's a third person involved in this backup. An hour before they drop the puck. How about this? Could I do it remotely from here? Let's let's do broadcasting of the future. You could totally do it from here. <laughs> we could t- we could set you up. I'll hop on Zoom and you know we excuse, excuse me WebEx and. Uh, you could easily do it. Yeah. Actually, the WebEx stuff that I do for the hits, for instance, yeah. I, I have it in my. Uh, do you really? I have it in my in our gear. Well, you could do it from right here with the A's background. It's uh, keep yeah. it in the family. Well, the the baseball season where I did sixty pre and post game shows from my house. I I mean, don't get me wrong. I love hanging with Stu and Shooty and Bip. But I, it was nice. I huh? liked, <laughs> I liked being in board shorts in my little uh, home studio, and yeah. I could be in the pool like fifty, like show ends. You know, see you tomorrow. You know, A's win five two. I could be in the pool fifteen minutes after I turn off all the lights. It was great. Yeah, two things. Yes, Dave Stewart's coming on at two thirty because Stu's here. Oh, is he coming by? Yeah, yep, there. Just talk to him. Uh, Sharks news. Uh, Aaron Dell back to the Barracuda. Yeah, the oh. goalie acquired in the Brent Burns deal called up. Really? There you go. There's your Sharks update. Wow, that must mean James Reimer's more injured than we thought again. 
Sharks pregame live tomorrow at what, uh, what time? I don't like this because Cody's telling – I'm here now distracted. Cody's telling me Sharks news. Well, because right now you're baseball Brody. Yeah, I know. There's I baseball know. Brody. There's hockey Brody. Hat. I'm Howard Terminal Brazil right now. Uh, and there's stadium Brody. I don't know. I, honestly, like going back to what I'm doing here, sure, we talked to – I talked to Cox yesterday a bunch. Gonna talk, I talked to David yesterday. Going to do another thing with him today. Um, but – as for the as for our team this year, our baseball team, I think it's pretty well. Like we can see, what, what are the questions here? Does Murph get traded or not? Is Loriano around? How long or not? Whatever, a couple injuries, but like, are, we're pretty set, right? Well, are we, we pretty set? We asked David yesterday. We said, "Tell me how you get better at these meetings." Yeah, right. What's going on? And he told us that there's multiple contracts that offers that are out to free agents. So, we're I mean, everybody's sitting here, yeah, we're talking Aaron Judge, we're talking Turner, we're talking Correa, we're talking – but there's a lot of guys out there looking for jobs. And as I mentioned, Brody, there's, there's like two ponds. There's this big pond with the big fish, <laughs> and then there's the pond, the smaller pond. Yeah. With the sweat, but there's good fish in there. Right. But it was closed last year because during the lockout, yeah. we weren't able to really fish to there. To do any of that, yeah. We're able to go back and fish in this pond again, and that's where we do our damage. Well, but what 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 are the Oakland A's here to, to get out of this? Minus maybe seeing what other teams would be interest, interested in. Like what what are we doing? We like don't you, we don't have we don't have a lot. We don't you have could a be, lot on the agenda. You could be acquiring at the corners. Maybe could be another outfielder. Uh, Caprillion now is shoulder surgery. That, yeah. You're gonna yeah. maybe another starter. Yeah. Always bullpen. We we need more. We need more power arms in the bullpen. There's plenty of stuff that you could do. Acquisitions, you're saying, or are yeah. we or are, are, are we promoting from within? Oh no, acquiring. Yeah, in acquiring mode. Not we're not we're not we're not offering eleven years to anybody. <laughs> Which, by the way, after I couldn't believe Trey Turner got eleven. Years. I'm like I was asking everybody, where are you gonna be in eleven years? I mean, that type, that? that type of job security is... 11 years. Tony, I've, I've been working at NBC or whatever it's always been called. I think I'm coming up on 14. And that's I'm like, wow, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the number. And You're I, last of the Mohicans of the original crew, <laughs> that right? Is, that is true. But 14 is close to... One of my point is, like, think about that deal for him. He is set for 11 years. To your point... What, what were we What were we doing eleven years ago? What year was that? God, I was forty. Two thousand one. Thank you. I was <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was scared. I was doing scary math. I was thirty nine. <laughs> I mean, that was a long, long time ago. My kids were still young. Yeah, I was married. I wasn't even married the first time then. Yeah, you were. He, he was even in his first marriage. Wow. Let alone into his second. Two lives. Two lifetimes ago. And then I asked him yesterday. I mean, eleven years from now, how many more marriages will he have? Do you think though? Like we're we're saying this from the side of we'll never, A's will never do this for anybody. Did you want them to do that though? Like, no. Let's say you could line up one of your, who, whoever your favorite was of the last ten years, and I'm talking about you. I, I love Chappie. I love Oli. I, I, well, Chris Bassett. Whatever. I just I wouldn't do it. No. I and that's something I've always I've always said on the post game show. Root for the name on the front, not in the back. And I know everybody wants the I want the jersey of my favorite player. I'm like. Would you want Miguel Cabrera? Think about this. He's now – I loved it where he goes, well, I think this is time to end it. Well, after this year and I get 32 more million. <laughs> it's been seven bad years. Right, right. It's been right. seven bad years. I for, need to milk this one more time. I mean, do we really 
it's kind of been a blessing that we haven't been forced to give one of these bad contracts yeah. because none of them have aged well. I mean, how much did the Rangers spent spend last off season? And then I think a couple series where we were playing them, they were five wins ahead of Oakland. You know what I'm saying? Head to head, they're 38. And games I love, back. I love, you know, Marcus and Seager and all that stuff. But what you're looking at, like, you know, you're looking at this the spending versus the results and it'll come for them i'm, I'm scared by the way of this division i know we are what we are but man this division is seattle i mean you had a team you, you had a team that just got to the playoffs for the first time in forever you still have trout and otani down there you've got the texas teams like but that sob verlander's gone yeah ah, that's ah. <laughs> that's a good one gonna have to deal with him anymore just get out of the league buddy get out of the league so well, welcome to our little baseball geek world. Yeah. You, your first time involved in it, probably yeah. your last. Should I go stand around somewhere? I feel like. Go in the lobby and, act, and get on your phone and look around it's and act bro- like you're talking can, to can people. Can I be honest? It's a bro fest. It is the, it it is. Is the broest of bro Did you bro see the bar fest. last night? I walked past it, yeah. and I was like, nope, not for me. That was, I commented to somebody that that was like a frat party. That was, It's yeah. it's. Every- oh, hey, Cody, did you see, I, I ran into John Boy. Uh, yeah. They're right down there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I saw them numerous times last night. Yeah, we were talking about we're, It's funny, too, because, like, like I said, you, you see so many people that you know or, or know of or whatever, you know. And uh, you just have that moment you're like, oh, my, it's so weird when you're not on a screen. You're right here, you know. But, uh, yeah, old oh. media, new media. I mean, we were, thanks, Raymond Green. We were hanging out with uh, <laughs> Bruce Wochins Bruce <laughs> at the Draymond bar with us Green. last night. Yeah, I uh, – I talked to I talked Dusty about Baker walked by a restaurant last night. We were at Lou and uh, Lou and Mickey's of Steakhouse over by Petco Park, and Dusty came walking by, waving to people. Nothing, I mean, it's no, everybody. If you're in baseball, you're here. Nothing beats when we ran into AJ Hinch, though, a couple years ago. Oh yeah, we we're banging trash cans behind him. It was really oh, uncomfortable. It was oh. uncomfortable for him, not for us. But it was uncomfortable for him. He got, he would literally get fired right after that. <laughs> we were at the end of AJ Hinch's Astros <laughs> career. 2009. Oh yeah, Cody was getting drunk with uh, David Ross in the in the bar in 2019. Rossi became our good friend. It's amazing who you run into when you're here. You know, if something happened to this hotel, I mean, I don't want to say bad things, but like, what would baseball do? How would baseball? Baseball go? coverage would be a- over. Anybody who covers, ba- I feel like anybody who covers baseball is yeah. here right now. I, this the, is a high security, high profile security event. You know, in, in the baseball geek world. This is everybody's favorite event. They like this better than the World Series, the so, All-Star Game. Can I just tell you, though, that that's kind of why I I don't like it. Yeah, it's not it's not really for you. It seems like there's just so much, uh, poli- not politicking, but, like, glad-handing and, like, uh, well, I want People are searching for jobs. Jobs, I yeah. know. I, I, I kind of sense that. And you know what this is like? This is what it's like. Have you ever covered a Final Four? No. Uh, no. Okay, no. this is what the – this is exactly what you're seeing here is the exact same thing as the Final Four without the games. Because at the Final Four, that's, what an event. Like, that's like their convention. Everybody at the Final Four, all coaches are trying to get jobs, and you're trying to get into the industry, and you're trying to – Yeah. That's what this is. And I like it's the a job I fair. respect the hustle. I really do, but I don't know. And maybe I just passed. I don't know. Maybe my younger years I would have been part of it. Well, you've been working for the same company for 14 years. I, so you don't I don't know. Well, there, I, the rest of us got to move around. Nowadays, no, I'm just saying nowadays there's a better way to – Maybe like not, you know, 
cold drop in on somebody's conversation, like me and you were talking, and then all of a sudden, because I saw this, somebody walks right in. Hi, I'm so and so. Nice to meet you. I want to. Here's my card. Here's my my demo reel on a USB drive. Here's what it's like. Whoa, like I don't know. Wait, that happened to us today. Some uh, young really? Call, was, he wasn't in college. He was out of college. He came up to Ray. And trying I, to get a job for AceCast. Uh, he yeah, essentially hey. he was trying to get it, how to get into industry and work for us. If I if I'm if didn't I'm even know what AceCast was. <laughs> I don't think so, but he, I think he wanted the job in pro sports. And he saw us. He goes, he did a seminar or something yesterday, and they, they talked about how we were here. Ace Cast was here. They mentioned us by name. So he came up to look for us. We've actually become like the, the, the darling of the you industry. you got the number one baseball podcast, right? So. And a lot of people in the Bay, you know what's funny? It's like when we're here, everybody, like we walk through the lobby, people know who we are. Back home in the Bay Area, there's a lot of people who have no, they're just, you know, they don't get it. Like in in our in the in the baseball world, we're kind of like the hot hot new thing. Hey, keep plugging away. You're ahead of your time. That you know what it is. You're ahead of your time. One keep keep one my name and keep my resume. You have my resume still, right? Cody? Yeah, it's around. Okay. Um, John, yeah, it's I, around. I, I think I could talk to my boss. He might know who you are. <laughs> yeah, there, you guys wanted the Aaron Judge update from John Heyman. Is he here? Is he not coming now? Is he here? Giants are in with a big offer to Judge, believed to be 360 million neighborhood, but the assumption belief among rivals is that the Yankees remain the favorites. Yankees are hopeful, but say they still don't know. Is he? Did he tweet that from down the hall? Where I is, think so. I mean, this is 1054. This is literally right now. Ken did that. Uh, this was John Heyman. Oh, John. He also reported that Trey Johnny, Turner's deal was 342. Where the are Padres, you, Johnny? They, what? The Padres offered Turner 342. Where are they getting this money? I know. How is it possible? I know. I saw that earlier. I, I heard you guys talking about that, too. All right. Let, let me – Let me. The, the thing here, you, you asked earlier. Yeah, Judge going to the Giants would be a awful nightmare for us. It sucks that we have to look at it that way. I, I couldn't – honestly, I couldn't care less. It I would take I, all the coverage. He's not going – is he alone? Let's say they get him. What's going to happen there? They're going to sell a bunch of judge hats. They're going to have a judge's chamber thing somewhere in left center. Oh, I, I don't they'll know, have a giraffe They're, hat, a panda they hat. They will, they oh. will market the oh. living you-know-what out of it. And then are they going to win the West this year? No. Are they, they have a good team to put around them? No. I mean, they still have Buster, right? No. Brennan Belt's good to go next year, right? No, Marvin Bernard's not walking through that Marvin. door. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right. And even if Rich really is his best friend. Who Richie's great. I feel like Rich Colleague. Rich could still do it. He's got soft hands, you know. Colleague at uh, NBC. Um yeah, I, I just I love Richie, but and that see it just goes to show we cross boundaries here. Talked to Bruce Bochy last night. I love Tim Flannery. Uh a lot of the Giants people that I've met firsthand over the years. Great great people. But as for but I hate as him. for as for I hate him. the aura that surrounds them and this, going back to the judge thing, like this would be this. I feel like the finger would somehow be pointed back at us. I say us like like we're on the team or something, but you know. Yeah, we're the ones that cover. No, there's no oh, there's no question. You guys don't do that. Well, yeah, you, yeah, we'll never have and, then and all never the, will. And, and like all the coverage, especially like where you work, because I do A's, <laughs> where you work would all be even, it's even more, even more giant centric would be even crazier. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'll say it for you. Thank you for saying that. I'm just the backup. Chris Townsend, cares. Chris Townsend just said that. <laughs> I am just sitting here. They expect me to say Oh, wait, you, they can see me. Well, I, I don't think they're ever going to call me to do Giants pregame live. 
that's you know what? That's why even me being here, if if something happens on Wednesday with Judge and I'm the only one here, they'll be like, you know what? We'll figure something else out. Don't you stay away from it? Uh, yeah, no, I, I I just I know that's the biggest deal here. You know what? It's crazy though. Like Sean Murphy literally is the second biggest deal here. Well, right now all the He's, all I the keep early looking at news Twitter. today is Sean Murphy. I keep looking at Twitter and there's two things trending: uh, Judge, the Padres earlier, and look there it is. Well, Soto is trending. Um, okay, Jeter's trending, but there it is. Sean Jeter's Murphy right trending? there. Yeah. This, this, this is the world. What, what's he trending for? That's the new thing in our world. What's he trending oh, for? I'm so over it. <laughs> uh, thank you for stopping Absolutely. by. Absolutely. Good luck. Good luck on. Uh, good luck on 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 your uh, exclusive with Rob Manfred. We can't wait to watch it on your YouTube I channel. Got sh- I, got, I got shut down. Hey, wait, is he having a press conference? He was supposed to be doing something right here. So if you hang around, you might get him. Right now. Just tackle him. Oh, that's be what great. I was. No, I was gonna go ambush him. Like it'd be great right now. All right, well, I'm gonna go do that. The great Brody Thanks Brazil. Thanks for the info. Appreciate Up it, next, Brody. we're gonna talk to June Lee from ESPN. What is he hearing right here from the winter meetings? It's A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. And Tony, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. (laughs) All righty, we got June Lee here from ESPN. As you know, he breaks news all of the time uh, out of New York. And you're here specifically. We're talking Yanks. We're talking Mets. And we're talking Red Sox. How are you? I'm good. You know, busy time. I was up late last night. I'm on East Coast time. So, like, I went to bed at what my brain thinks is, like, 4.30 in the morning. So, it's, uh, you know, catching up on sleep and getting over, uh, you know, getting over, uh, you know, the, the time difference. So, right now, you know, before really things get heated up for you, DeGrom gone, goes to Texas, Verlander replaces him. It's like we're getting the band back from the uh, 2013 Detroit Tigers. In Mets world, has it been DeGrom out, Verlander in? I think that there's been a sense of anticipation with the Mets that DeGrom leaving was a very real possibility. I think that we saw that him not going to the Mets and even giving them an opportunity to match kind of showed his mindset in terms of how he was approaching the process. Unless the Mets were going to completely blow him away in terms of the financials, it seems like he was pretty set on leaving at this point. And so it's a situation where the Mets were going to put a limit on how much money they were willing to spend on Jacob deGrom because of the injury situation and the fact that they want to win right now. And Jacob deGrom, it's kind of a wild card. You don't know how how many games and how many starts or how many innings you're going to get from him at any given point. I mean – Every single start that Jacob DeGrom 
had at City Field or in a Mets uniform over the course of the last couple of years, there was just a sense of anticipation like this could be the end of the season for him. Like <laughs> every every single time he took the mound, there was just a, a a sense that it could be it could be over exactly. Yeah. So I think that there is a sense of stability bringing Justin Verlander in, who obviously had the Tom John surgery, a little bit older. He's older than Justin uh, than Jacob Degrom, but uh, in general has stayed healthy throughout the course of the season and obviously won a signing award last year. So where where are the Mets now? What, what I mean, you got Bassett out there. Our, you know, we love Chris Bassett. Think he's the a world character. Of him. Oh, he's the best. He's a loose cannon sometimes. He is the best. You, you're going to know how he feels. Yeah, exactly. That's what you want as a media yeah, member. Yeah, and he's a prankster, and we've known we've known Bass for, for a long, long he's, time. He's one of the few guys that talks to the media on his start days because, you know, there's always the ritual that the starter doesn't talk to the media. He's sometimes just sitting there before the game. He's just like, hey, what's up, guys? It's like, aren't you starting today? Yeah. Now, he's interesting. Now, I mean, he – a lot of innings. I know he, and I hope he gets as many years as possible. But you know, the Mets are one of the teams that you say, okay, who's here to win now? Who's here to win a World Series this next season? And Uncle Steve's got that big checkbook. Where are the Mets now? What are they looking for now? They're in a position where Steve Cohen has basically told the front office that you know the money is almost secondary. It's is this team good enough to win, and is this player going to help us to win? And at this point, he has so much more money than every single other MLB owner that him blowing past the luxury tax is not really a concern. I mean, Billy Epler talked to the media yesterday and said that there's a number where they want to stop, obviously. Like, this isn't an endless you know, pool of money that they're going to spend on, on this team, but they have way more flexibility in terms of the aggressiveness they can go after the guys that they really want. I mean, you're seeing just the Justin Verlander contract by itself. he got $42 million a year. That's way more money than a lot of industry people thought he was going to get. And that's because Steve Cohen, when he sees a guy that he wants and Billy Epler identifies that guy as someone who can help them win a championship now, he's going to be willing to put up way more money than anyone else. All right, let's go to one of my favorites because it's just – when it first happened, when Dave Dombrowski left and they brought in Hein Bloom, I thought, all right, this is what everybody's been trying to do. They're trying to play money ball with money. And – the thing that has always bugged me about that is the fact that it's not like Billy Bean wanted to play Moneyball. He, <laughs> he had to, right? Yeah, it's it how he survived, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden everybody wants to, like, bogart it and act like they're doing it and they're smart like him. Like, Barry, Billy Bean had to do it. And then all of a sudden now it's been a few years. Mookie Betts is gone. You think about Xander Bogarts is out there. And the Red Sox – I don't – what are they what, – what, what, what are they trying to accomplish? Do they still want to win? They just look cheap now. They've had they – got, they got the highest tickets in baseball. They've got plenty of money to spend. Rumors out there that ownership cares more about their soccer. with they Liverpool or whoever? Yeah, Liverpool. I mean, they have the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have Roush Fenway Racing. They're in the talks to potentially buy the Washington Commanders. There's been talks about them with LeBron having the – Expansion franchise in Las Vegas with the NBA. So there's a lot of things going on in Fenway Sports Group right now. Oh, what about the Boston Red Sox? <laughs> what, about, what about winning games with the Boston Red Sox? So I think this all has to rewind back to the Mookie Betts trade. And, you know, Haim was given a bad hand in that, like, he inherited a team that, from a financial standpoint, given the situation with the luxury tax, they felt like they had to trade Mookie Betts to get 
salary relief and just generally uh, build towards the future and, and keep the future in mind towards building a sustainable team long term. That being said, that was two years ago now. Yeah. And who are you going to save that, you know, the saved money that you got from trading Mookie Betts? Who's going to get that money? That's the question. And Xander Bogarts is kind of the prime candidate in, on, on paper to get that kind of deal. He's a team. Ca- he's a, basically the de facto team captain. He's a huge positive locker room presence. And on top of all that, he's probably going to age pretty well as a hitter. I mean, he's, he's been consistent, more so than Carlos Correa, and has been healthy throughout the course of his entire career. This is a guy that I think is going to age pretty well, even if he doesn't play shortstop for the rest of his, his uh, time in the major leagues. And they lowballed him. You know, they lowballed him two years ago because they want to try to maximize every single dollar. And taking that mindset towards your superstar players, it has an effect on the rest of the clubhouse, too. And it has an effect on, in, in terms of just the culture of the team. And, you know, you talk to agents, you talk to executives around the sport right now, especially at the winter meetings, and there's this perception that the Red Sox aren't going to spend and that they are cheaping out. And that has an effect on whether or not players want to go there because people want to go to the Mets right now because they know Steve Cohen's going to spend. He's going to do everything it takes to win. But with the Red Sox, they're like, ah, oh, like if I go there, are they going to really you know, make a push at the deadline to, to get better? And, and all that's having an effect on you know, the, the way that players are making their decisions about their future. I mean, Tommy Canley was a guy that the Red Sox were in on, and he decided to go to the Yankees. I mean, they've lost out on a lot of relievers and smaller pieces so far this offseason, and it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues, but it's having a cascading effect in, whether, in how they're able to actually build out their team. You start looking at the East. We're talking about the Yankees. T- Toronto is, is someone to deal with. The Rays are always tough. Baltimore's on the come now. Right, I mean, it's like what the it's Boston, toughest division in baseball. What are you doing, Boston? Are you not in? I mean, it's like it's like it's cra- like how long do you think can Heim Blooms can he go another season where he's at the bottom of this division and keep his job? I mean, I, this ties back to the other big question I think too about Fenway Sports Group and whether or not the ownership cares about winning in the same way in Boston with the Red Sox as they used to because they have so many teams that they're taking care of. You know, maybe 10 years ago, if we're talking about a smaller Fenway sports group that just had Roush Fenway Racing and the Red Sox, I think that Bloom's probably on the hot seat in terms of whether or not this team finishes in first place, second place, actually makes the playoffs. If they don't do that, I think his job would probably be in question. The question now is if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs this year, if they're not competitive this year in a really tough division, is Bloom going to keep his job? And the answer could be yes, because they might not care about winning in the same way as they used to because of all the other things going on in Fenway Sports Group. And so that's going to be a huge thing and a huge question that's going to have to be answered throughout the course of this season. You know, it, it does, from a business standpoint, make sense. Because owning all these properties, in the end, if you're thinking about what's the goal, the goal is to make the company as, as valuable and as rich as possible and whether the Red Sox win or lose with all the money that's coming in in baseball, your value of the property and the money coming in cast rich is always going up. I understand it. I mean, they're, they're thinking about the company versus the Boston Red Sox. Right, because with, with sports specifically and with baseball, you know, it, the, the value of the team goes up in the abstract over the course of 10, 15, 20 years. Year to year, you're not making like a ton of money in terms of your profits because you're spending so much of your money back into the team in terms of investing in the players. 
the money that you do make is more in the abstract. Like you're knowing that the the valuation of your team is going up because Major League Baseball, all these sports teams are going up in value. And so there's the question of you know the the, the question of the sport, not just with the Red Sox, but do I even have to spend money in order for me to get back my investment as a business person? Some people care about winning. Steve Cohen clearly cares about winning. He's yeah. investing a lot of money. He's probably, lo- I mean, he's he's spending way more money on players than yeah, than you know any other team. But there's a lot of teams that can cheap out on the payroll and still have their franchise value go up in the abstract in the long term. And owners can sell their team in five, ten years without having spent a ton uh, on a year-to-year basis. And you can add up the profits and then also take in the profits of you know how good, uh, how much your your franchise valuation increase as well. So that's one of the biggest things I think is happening in, in baseball right now, where there's a lot of owners who are willing to you know get the profits year to year and not spend a whole lot on the on-field product while also reaping in the, the value of the cash of, of your franchise value going up in the in the long term as well. Yeah, with well, these guys all just collecting a new check for $30 million from Disney for the BAM stuff. I mean, there's, they're cash rich. And if you're believing the reports on the Padres were in on Trey Turner, it's like, how many – how many $300 million contracts can they have and still have to do with Juan Soto? I don't know. Let's go to to our right is the Yes Network. Same as 2019. Garrett Cole signed this place. They were in the same spot. We were in the same spot. Like a bomb went off. Now a lot of question about Aaron Judge. Is he coming to town? Is he going to be here? Uh, is, it, is he trying to get a deal done now? Some people have thought after Christmas. What are you hearing about Aaron Judge, Yankees, Giants? There is a – I mean, I, I think that we're going to find a resolution around Aaron Judge's situation by the end of the winter meetings, um, by the end of tomorrow. Wow. That's that's the current word on the street. That could yeah. change. Um, but that is what people currently think, partially because the word is that Aaron Judge is going on vacation in a couple of days and he wants to know what team he's playing for after that, before, before he actually goes on vacation and, and disconnects with his family. Well, we would not want to disappoint him on his vacation. It How is, rude that would be. It is ultimately his decision. He's in control of the timeline here. <laughs> but one of the things that Brian Cashman was talking about yesterday in regards to Aaron Judge is that he's the focal point of their offseason plan, and they can't really make any other decisions about the direction of the team other than signing a guy like Tommy Canley, you know, a reliever who's yeah. marginal on the budget. Because Aaron Judge is going to cost so much money that they don't know how to allocate money, you know, the, the contingency plans if he doesn't sign there. And so they have to wait till Aaron Judge Makes signs. sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. a ton of sense. And so Judge has talked about how when he makes his decision, he wants to make sure that he's not holding up his own, his new team, his, you know, the Yankees, um, you know, the Giants or whatever from, from building long term once they do sign him. And so I think it's going to get resolved sooner than later, but uh, it is a fascinating situation because I think there's a lot of variables here in terms of you know what he values and, and what he actually wants out of his playing career. I just, to me, I, I, I still I have a hard time believing you're going to come out west because Rich Aurelia was your favorite player, and you, <laughs> and, and you, and you want to be, be on this wall of fame with the Giants out by McCovey Cove. When you have this legacy of New York, you know, uh, not 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 a plaque, but you're going to get a monument with with guys like Ruth, Garrick, DiMaggio, Reggie Jackson, Derek Jeter. Uh, that's your legacy. You're going to give that. I just have a hard time believing you're going to give that up. I mean, if the Giants do sign Aaron Judge, they should bring Rich Aurelia in and make him put on <laughs> Judge, Judge's uniform. Almost like the green jacket yeah, at the exactly, Masters. Yeah, exactly. Rich Aurelia of all people. Anyways, um, 
No, the it, it is. I, I think that's a huge factor in this because the Giants are going to want it. They're they're trying to sign Aaron Judge. They're going to throw all the money that they have at Aaron Judge. Whether or not the Yankees match that is a question. But then there's also the bigger question of how Aaron Judge makes his money in the long term because the taxes in New York and California is you know kind of a wash. And so the question is long term from a marketability standpoint, does he want to be a New York Yankee? and make the money that being the captain of the New York Yankees brings, being in the conversation with Ruth, Gary, Jeter, Mantle, DiMaggio, being among those greats for way past you die, you know, your great-grandkids will know that you are a Yankee legend for life. Does that matter to him? That's a big question that we don't know the answer to yet. And on top of all of that, there's also the, even if the, the Giants do offer more money on an annual basis throughout the course of a contract, over the course of someone's lifetime, you're probably making more money from a marketing standpoint, from a legacy standpoint. That's a great point. If you're a New York Yankee. Yeah. If it, it doesn't matter that, you know, that you make $40 million more over the course of 10 years or something. I'm just throwing a number out there, um, not sourcing anything. But over the course of your, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, like, you're going to be Aaron Judge, lifetime New York Yankee, captain of the Yankees. You know, you're going to be able to be Joe Namath doing, like, arthritis ads when you're 70, 80 years, years old. I just saw one last night. We were sitting at the uh, we were sitting at the restaurant. I look up. Derek Jeter's doing some car ad. Exactly. And I don't think that Aaron Judge would have the opportunity to do that if he goes to the San Francisco Giants. You mean giant? You know, him and Rich Aurelia won't be doing a, uh, <laughs> a Ford commercial together nationally? I mean, it's like, it's like literally it's mind-blowing to me. And, of course, we can't stand the Giants. But it's like, you want to go be on, like, this wall of fame with, like, Hunter Pence and Marvin Bernard and these guys versus be in Monument Park with the Yankees? It's crazy. Yeah, and that that's why, for me, you know, he's probably going back and forth in what he wants. But that's why I personally ultimately think that he's going to return to New York. That's not what I want as a Red Sox fan because Aaron Judge leaving the Yankees would put that franchise in a total state of mess and chaos in terms of, trying to build out their core long-term. But it, I think it's hard to imagine. I mean, how Steinbrenner is personally going down and being like, this is what your future is going to be. How Steinbrenner, Steinbrenner doesn't do that for anybody. He doesn't, like, we, one of the biggest criticisms he gets is that he doesn't nearly care much about, as much about winning as his dad did, and he's making the personal effort to go sign Aaron Judge. And this is not even a Brian Cashman decision at this point. It's a Hal Steinbrenner, is he going to be able to close this deal with Aaron Judge? You'll get this, and I don't think everybody watching this or listening to this will get it out west. But for me, if I am a Giants fan and you're like, oh, we got Aaron Judge, is the greatest thing, what would scare me is that here you, here you got a guy, as we'll say, playing on Broadway. You're playing on the biggest stage in your sport. It's what everybody's dreamed about. And if this guy walks away from that, that kind of scares me. You walk away from wanting to be the guy to go out west to, yeah, it's more money, but it's far low. I mean, no offense to us out in the Bay Area, but a lot of people East Coast are going to bed when we're starting our games. I mean, the coverage, everything changes. You want to step off the number one place to go somewhere else. For me – for you as an athlete doing that, that scares me. Yeah, I mean, that's the, also the question with Aaron Judge, too, is that he's, he's struggled in the postseason. He was not good this year. 
Um, and and I, I think that there's a level of pressure that also comes with being the captain of the New York Yankees, the legacy, carrying on all of that. Uh, and so I, 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 I'm very curious. To, I, I think it's going to be very revealing of so many things about Aaron Judge's values and what he wants out of his life because you know, some people want to do that. Some people don't, and it is what it is. Well, I'll say this, too, and for all the Bay Area people who are, hate that I'm using your – let's take Joe Montana. It's like Joe Montana and the greatness and the dynasty of the 49ers. Joe Montana going, oh, I don't want the pressure with Bill Walsh. I want to go play for the Arizona Cardinals just for money. Or Steph Curry right now, leaving all the pressure of the demands of winning NBA titles with the Warriors to go back home and play in Charlotte. You, you would go, why would – I've heard people in our, in our market say, why would Steph Curry leave basketball heaven right now to go back home play in Charlotte? That's the exact same thing that Aaron Judge would be doing going to the Giants. Right, and it's different than, like, LeBron or whatever because LeBron, you know, in his prime especially, he made every single team he was on a championship contender immediately. Aaron Judge is not going to do that. He needs players around him to be on a championship team. And while the Giants have won more World Series since 2000 than the New York Yankees have – the Yankees are consistently going to be in a position to spend money to create a roster that will get them into the postseason, into October. Yankee fans aren't happy right now because they haven't won a World Series since 2009, but they're consistently in the playoffs every year, and all it takes, as we've seen with the Phillies and the Braves, like you just need to get to October, and then you've you got to make sure that you know, you're hot at the right time and, and anything can happen. So if Judge signs, and now that Turner has signed, the shortstop market is the big thing next, right? Because we're waiting. I mean, the other shortstop's got to be going, wait a minute, Turner got 11? So if Judge does sign, Turner's done, who's the, who's the big who's the big next? Where's the big? I know Sean Murphy, our catcher's making a lot of noise out there about trading him. But where's the, where, where's the, where does the noise go once Judge signs? I think it probably shifts to Correa and Bogarts because I think that those two guys are comparable and probably the contracts they're going to get. I mean, Correa has probably better, the higher top-end talent, but he hasn't stayed healthy, and so that's, some, that's a big question mark. And then Bogarts, you know, he, him, him where he's at, the Red Sox, we talked about this earlier, like it is a pivot point for the direction of their franchise, whether or not they re-sign him and how they're going to continue to rebuild afterwards because they kind of need to win now or the fan base is going to explode. And so I think that's where the focus shifts uh, next because I think the Red Sox are a really hot topic at these meetings right now. Yeah, as someone who grew up in Boston, it's not good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's rough. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for the time. We always of appreciate course. it. We love following you. And I'm sure you got some stuff to break. So, uh have fun the rest of these meetings. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Coming up next, Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, will join us right here on A's Cast Live. Has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans t shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Camp Stadium. And Tony, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. 
Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Great news! Our indoor dining is back, along with our beautiful patio dining. Come taste our world-famous chicken pie that has been served in Southern California for 83 years. The Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek has one of the most dynamic menus, plus a full bar. Pot pies, gourmet burgers, sandwiches, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget, we still do takeout and delivery. For all the information, go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Senior writer for MLB Pipeline, Jim Callis, stopped by A's Cast Live and discussed the prospects he likes in the A's farm system. I like Ken Waldachuk. I think he's a little unheralded. I think Tyler Sot- like Shea Langoliers got there this year. I really like Shea Langoliers. I think having Shea Langoliers makes it easier to let Tyler Soderstrom do what he does best, which is hit. And it's always tough when you have a really offensive-minded catcher like Tyler was, where if you catch him, it detracts from his hitting because of the time you have to devote to catching and then the physical toll. So I think they're going to get more out of Tyler Soderstrom's bat. To listen to the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash A's cast. Humanity has accomplished a whole lot so far. We created penicillin, the automobile, and the internet. Not to mention drones, duct tape, and the hot dog. It's all thanks to the power of human connections. And Ring Central's here to make that even easier, more seamlessly and securely on a platform built to grow your business. Say hello to a whole new way to say hello. Visit ringcentral.com and say hello to possibilities. Ring Central. Message, video, phone, together. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is a national brand with family-owned prices and service. You can shop at one of their barrier locations, and all stores are sanitized and safe. Or you can navigate their easy-to-use website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and Gold fans, use the coupon code Oakland, and you'll get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. Visit kp.org today. Coming in at five foot three inches, it's number one mom. She switched to Xfinity and got the all new three for one bundle. Unlimited internet, streaming, and Xfinity Mobile. All for what you could pay wireless companies for just one 5G unlimited line. Boom shakalaka. Go to Xfinity.com slash three for one, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires post-pay Xfinity internet. After 24 months, regular rates apply to all services and devices. Unlock offers and receive exclusive in-game features by downloading the MLB Ballpark app for iPhone and Android today. Plus, get the latest information on game times, schedules, and more. When Northern California businesses need some pop in their lineup, they call the bank rooted in the East Bay. 
Mechanics Bank. Since 1905, Mechanics Bank has been helping Bay Area and Northern California businesses find success and perform at the top of their game. See how they can make a difference in your business today. Call or stop by your local branch or visit MechanicsBank.com. Mechanics Bank, the official East Bay Bank of the Oakland A's. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, man, this is just, I do love it. The winter meetings is absolutely fantastic. We have so much fun. Uh, so many different people that you catch up with that you haven't seen in a while. I know we've said that a lot, but but it is true. And the Rob Manfred, I don't know what was said. We will uh, see what's going on. Uh, but Rob Manfred has just talked to the writers. They are getting out as we speak. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be seeing tweets of what he had to say. So all the baseball writers, national writers, beat writers, right across from us, we're in this uh, big room, and the commissioner walked by. I haven't seen him come out yet, but maybe Brody Brazil will be able to tackle him and get uh, a little word on what he thinks about the stadium situation with the Oakland Athletics. Coming up here in minutes, we're going to have the mad dog, Chris Russo, on, who's just getting done with his show. Cody went down to MLB Network to their stage to, to – to get Chris and to bring him over, I just, it is shocking to me. It literally is shocking to me what is happening with Boston. And talking with June Lee there, just the fact that there, it's like there's no plan. And here you have one of the prominent American sports franchises, just not baseball, but in all of sports. They're the Boston Red Sox, for God's sakes. And the fact that they've got nothing, they got nothing, they got nothing. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it's one thing, I know how angry our fan base gets. Can you imagine if you're a Red Sox fan and you're looking around and you're going, what are we doing? You have the most expensive tickets in all of the sport. And you're not doing anything, trying to, trying to get better? You're trying to go on the cheap? And that's what they did. When they got rid of Dave Dombrowski and they won the World Series, and the next year they got rid of Dave, it's because they wanted to. They wanted to get more fiscally responsible, right? So they wanted to spend less money and still win more. So we're going to bring the Rays guy in because we wanted to see, you know, can they do what L.A. has done? Friedman's been the one guy. Because we had, you know, there's people who've been left Oakland who weren't able to to make Oakland happen with a bigger budget, and that's the same thing happened with Tampa Bay. Could you know? Because Andrew Friedman has been able to do it. He's delivered one World Series. I got a note on that, by the way. I ran into somebody that I know with the with the Dodgers. Oh, here's Commissioner Manfred. So Rob Manfred, right now, the commissioner of the sport, has just walked out. What do you think, Ray? You think you go over there and tackle him? Uh, not without getting tackled myself, probably. He has no security around him. You're a black belt in karate. Why don't you go up and uh, just grab him by the arm and bring him over? Well, he actually, you know, nice he takes a lot. I'll give him credit. He takes a lot of heat, and he's got a pretty good personality. That's true. He takes it, and it uh, it falls off of his back. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, because essentially as the commissioner of baseball, you work for the 30 owners. Mm-hmm. And all these guys are billionaires, and you work for them. 
And I can't imagine working for 30 different ownership groups because the thing that we have to realize now in our sport, and this is the same thing, that people shouldn't be shocked. It's the same thing with the San Francisco Giants. It's the same thing with the Golden State Warriors. We were just so used to, like, Eddie DeBartolo owns the team, right? And now it's the York family controls it. Well, it's not all, it's not all families now. That's not what it is. It's, it's ownership groups. It's a group. It's a group of multiple people, and you'll have a managing general partner and Joe Lacob, but there's multiple investors. And that's basically, you know, because it's, it costs so much money to buy one of these sports franchises that, for the most part, people go in as groups. And you have one guy who stands up for the franchise, and that's the managing general partner. That will be your Larry Bear of the Giants. Uh, John, that used to be Lou Wolf for us. It's Joe Lacob. And that's really what most sports are. I mean, it's very rare. I mean, because now with the way sports works, it costs so much money. You know, when you look at Steve Cohen, who's worth $16 billion, um, richer than him, I guess you'd go Balmer, who owns the Clippers of all people. Balmer's worth... I don't know, $50 billion or whatever he's worth, Microsoft money. Paul Allen used to own the Seahawks. And what did he own? He didn't own the Mary. He owned the Seahawks. He owned uh, the Trailblazers. And, you know, he had the Microsoft money. I mean, those guys, now you're getting a – but, you know, most of these teams are owned by guys. You know, the primary guy is going to be a billionaire, but they're not 16 to 40 billion. That's a whole different level of wealth. I mean, a billion to a couple billion obviously is money we will never see, and that's incredible. But then you have the, the wealthy upon wealthy. And when you're the commissioner, you've got to deal with all these guys. And every single market has their wants and needs. Every single owner has, you know, you think billionaires are easy to deal with? Can you imagine corralling billionaires? You know, the one sport that's been great at it has been football. Football was brilliant. Football years ago got everybody on board. Let's all hold hands, sing Kumbaya, and work together because we're, we're, we're the one sport that we can all be as one. Now, there's been times where a Jerry Jones or an Al Davis or whoever is kind of tough to deal with, but for the most part, they realized as – if we all act as one, we'll be far greater for it. And that's why they, and it was easier for the NFL because they play once a week and all that kind of stuff. But it's been easier for them to do that, to where baseball is so splintered. I talk about it all the time. The Cincinnati Bengals in football are not a small market. They were just in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that, that, that's a reality. And, uh, and, you know, that is something – that is something that, uh, that you know, ha- has changed over the years. You know, you have different, different, um, different teams and different markets. So it, it, it's, it's one of those situations to where they're, they're all – I'm trying to say hi to people at the same time. <laughs> Come here and say hi because I'm distracted now. I just want to say hi. Good to see you live on the air. How's everything? Good? Good. Good to see you. So, so here's the deal. 
so like the Cincinnati Bengals are not small market in football. The Minnesota Vikings are small are not small market in football. No one's small market in football. Right. There's bigger markets, obviously, but no one's a small market in football. So how are the Cincinnati Bengals not small small market, but the Cincinnati Reds are? The Pittsburgh Pirates are you? No one would ever consider the Pittsburgh Steelers to be small market. Nobody, but the Pittsburgh Pirates are, and so that's the tough thing that the commissioner has to deal with. He has to deal with all these different. He has to deal with all these different people, and he has to answer to all these different people. It's a tough job. Now they pay him well, but it's a tough gig. Back to my LA thing. Uh, I've been waiting to do this, and we got the Mad Dog supposedly going to be on his way over. He is coming. Cody said he is on the way. So, according to my source, someone who I know works for the Dodgers, man, you want to talk about crushed? Absolute. Like, obviously, you win 111 games. You have the season that you have. You don't expect to get bumped out in your first round. You just don't especially by a team that you've owned in the San Diego Padres. The Dodgers have absolutely owned them for years. And that there was this sense of loss in L.A. that according to the person that I know with the Dodgers, they're still feeling it. Like they, 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 they haven't really been able to come to grips that they got knocked out by the Padres in that best of five. Hard to believe. Like it ended like that. Like he said, going back up to L.A. because it ended here in San Diego, going back up to L.A. and everybody clearing out offices and clearing out stuff is something that uh, that it was hard for them to believe, and it's still with them today. I heard that, and I went, yeah, you know what? I, st- I felt that way. I felt that whole, like, and I gave my whole thing about, you know, here, here you at the end of the, at the, the last X amount of innings, you got all this money that you spend. You got all this money that you spend on front office, on, on very smart people, on technology. You spend millions upon millions. Andrew Friedman's probably making 8 to $10 million. The guy runs your baseball operations. And then you go all the way down. They spend millions. And in the end, you got a bunch of guys on the mound who make $700,000. Because you want to be smarter. You want to be so smart that you pick up guys for nothing and you turn them around. And it's just like, it's shocking. It's just, it's shocking the way the Dodgers went out. And that they, they, that here you got the Phillies and the Astros in the World Series and they're sitting at home wondering how did this all happen? How did we go from being this juggernaut looking at this run differential, this great team, and you turn around and and you got nothing? Okay, well, what are you now going to do about it? You've got the money. What are you going to do with the turnaround? What moves are they going to make? As you're hearing everything about the Giants and you're hearing everything about the New York Yankees, um, you know, what, what are the Dodgers going to do as they've been, in, they've been in shock since that time? Well, folks, i got to tell you, it's now become like the highlight of our winter meetings the past couple of years because we haven't been able to see them in the last couple of years he is the Hall of Famer, and we want to say congratulations. I appreciate that, Christopher. What I, a big deal. Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, congratulations. We're just not talking like a sports radio Hall of Fame, the Radio Hall of Fame. That was important for me. That's a it's good a call. big deal. Uh, I went out to Chicago there that weekend. Uh, I did not go to the middle three of the World Series because the Hall of Fame was a Tuesday night. 
I had I bought three tables. It's a very tedious night. There are ten speakers, and it started at seven thirty. It's a cocktail and dinner. It started at ten th- at seven thirty. Okay, I was the sixth speaker. I got on at ten fifteen. <laughs> I mean, it took forever, and I was going to. They said five, five, you know, I, I had Stephen A. Smith do the induction. So they said, Chris, five to eight minutes. They told me that the week before. Everybody went forever. I said, I got, I showed myself, I got three people here. I wrote a speech out. I got three tables here. I can't go five, seven minutes. These people came all this way. So I did 17 minutes ad lib and got out. That's what I did. Well, I remember but when I you were, enjoyed it. I remember when you were gone because Moses, your producer, who helps us out all the time here. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, Moses is great. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. And, and I was like, where is he? He's like, oh, he's at the Hall of Fame. I mean, when you get into our industry, you never really think about something like that because you think of the medium, radio, and how long it's been in the United States of America to that at some point in your career you'd be recognized as one of the greatest in this medium, this medium that's got us through the worst of times. It's gotten us through wars, depression, what radio was meant to, to, to the United States, to this country, to the world, and to think that you got into that Radio Hall of Fame just was there time just to sit back and just oh, go, absolutely. my God. Oh, absolutely. They called me on July 25th. I had just lost a terrible tennis match in doubles and an interclub match. I was all upset. <laughs> I drove home. They called me, and they said, Chris, we got good news for you. So, yes, that meant a lot. And I was very surprised. For my fans, it meant a lot. Yeah. For the Mad Dog Unleashed radio fans, it meant a lot to them because of the fact that they feel part of it the last 14 years at SiriusXM. You know, FAN is going to be, you know, that, that's where I, my, my chops at FAN, I understand that. But the fans at Sirius, it was very important to them. And they did, uh, Sirius, you know, Sirius did a good job. They bought a table, and Sirius paid for all the expenses for folks to get out there. And the other thing is, Sirius did a two-hour tribute the five days before that. And we did two hours. We had a, a lot of people on. People did clips and everything else. You know who let off the 5 o'clock hour live for 10 minutes? Letterman. They, you are good friends with Dave Letterman, yeah. I, I, if you get Letterman to do it, and he did a radio skit. And he came on, he did a radio, he did a TV skit on radio. So that tells you that it meant a lot to a lot of people. So I didn't know that was going to be the case before the whole scenario started in July. So from that standpoint, you know, it make you feel pretty good. And I felt good about the speech. I did a good speech. So that was good. Well, anyway. I mean, you, you have the generations that have grown up with you from the sports radio in New York that really became national. And I remember watching you when they put you guys on Yes Network. Right. And then now to where, where you took that bold leap to go to Sirius XM, you know, kind of Stern was the first one to do it. Right. Because I actually was with CBS Radio to replace Stern. I remember that whole thing. And then now kind of we're all in our new mediums. Sirius XM's not a new, but when you did it, that was still kind of something where. It was a risky move. Two thousand and th- uh, It was 2008, and that's, you know, 14 years ago now. And, you know, although Howard got there, and I think he got there in 06, that was still a risky move. Now, I wouldn't have done it. If not for Howard and Mel Carmerson, because Mel Carmerson bought Infinity. He was my boss for a long period of time, and I trusted him. But that stock got the one penny that fall of 08. And so John Malone and Liberty Media bought out, you know, went halves with Mel. And, of course, the company has been what it is, you know, ever since. But the I took a chance. I was looking for something, doing to lose something different. Mike and I have been together for 19 years at WFN in New York. This was an opportunity. Mel gave me a channel. Uh, he gave me five years guaranteed contract. He said, Chris, do what you want. So 
you know, as far as the channel is concerned, do what you want, you're in charge. You gave me a budget. I had to do it. It was, the, it was 48 years of age. It was sort of the back nine of my career, starting the 10th hole. If I was ever going to take a chance, that was the time to do it. It was time for change. So I, I'm glad I did. It was, it was, at that time, it was risky, but it, was, it turned out to be the right decision. Well, you took the chance, and now uh, you're getting the green jacket in the butler cabin after no, that's, what that's you guys a nice way to say it. Yes, <laughs> Jim Nance is not handing it to me, nor is last year's winner, but that's a fair point. Good job on your part. So I, I think about how much people need to understand that when you're on SiriusXM, and you know, we, we love the baseball channel and Channel 89, we love your channel. We talk about it because we, we use a lot of stuff from you guys. Is you've got to cover all sports, but then now you're doing TV. But how do you do everything and then go, okay, let's just do the baseball TV show? Well, the baseball TV, it's only an hour. You do it in segments. There's about six segments you got to do. I have Alana Rizzo, who yeah. I know is going to do a segment or two every day as well. Uh, I can talk into a camera. It's, you know, I can set the show up with a 10-minute monologue, which is easy enough. I've interviewed a billion people over my life, so if you give me, I had A.J. Predator to start the show today. You give me a guy, I know what to ask. So that, that really is not that difficult um, to do that show. Um, you know, I, I think the I, I think on the radio is not difficult either. I mean, I, I you know, I, I was born to do this, to make a long story short, and I know how to connect with the fan base, and I've done the radio for so long that I can do it in my sleep. The TV is a little bit of an adjustment, but it's not as big a deal with the baseball because, A, it's, you know, not as much as it used to be, but it's still, you know, my favorite sport growing up as a kid. I know the history of it pretty well, and baseball is very good with history. So I can break down the 68 Tiger Cardinal World Series. Yeah. You know, I can break down the 51 Giant Yankee World Series, and I can break down the Yankees in 26 losers in St. Louis. So if you can do those things and the Hall of Fame and Ruth and Garrick and DiMaggio and all the Yankees scenario and all the great players, Williams, if you can do that, that's half the battle with the baseball. So the baseball is not that difficult, not as hard as you think. Now, I'll say this. Every day in the wintertime, it's a little trickier because, remember, you're doing 220 shows a year, and that show is not just during the season. It's during, you know, once that season's over and the World Series is over and this is over, you know, this is over when? Tomorrow. So I will have basically between December, let's say the judge signs, we get that out of the way. Let's say I'll go from, like, December 15th to March 15th with not a lot going on, and that's a lot of shows. So that is when it begets, becomes difficult because you got every day for an hour for three months with no baseball. So that's when it becomes a little tricky. But overall, it's the gift of the game. If you have the gift of the game, you can do it. So I'm okay with it. You are the best guy to ask. Obviously, everything in New York and also being a Giants fan, I've been saying this. All right, all this stuff with Aaron Judge. You can tell me all you want about – he grew up liking Rich Aurelia. I start thinking about the Wall of Fame. You want to be on the Wall of Fame with Hunter Pence and Marvin Bernard? Or at the end of your career, you want to have that monument with those guys you just mentioned, Ruth, DiMaggio, Garrig, Reggie Jackson, Derek Jeter. I, I, I just I can't imagine leaving Broadway, leaving the number one show. I agree. I, I respect San Francisco. It's our market. It's, I, I'm actually – kind of crapping on where we live, but I'm like, you want to be on the wall with Hunter Pence and hang out with Rich Aurelia? 
or you want to be a Yankee, which changes not only your life, but your your kids, your grandkids, your grandkids' kids. There's only one see. Yankees. Uh, uh, that was what I was thinking throughout the offseason. I did not think he'd leave. This Time Magazine story that came out in the last couple of days about how he always wanted to be a giant and the fact he wasn't happy with the Yankees when they announced what he offered him back yeah. in the beginning of the year at $212 million. He thought they put him in a tough spot. So based on those two comments, I'm a little less um, confident that he stays with the Yankees. But you're right overall. The Yankees, there's no baseball franchise like the Yankees. He just hit the 62 homers. It's Yankee Stadium. The fans love him. Uh, you know, they're in the playoffs every year, which the Giants, you cannot say. I know they won three championships, and the Yankees haven't done that since the Giants won the three. But the Giants are sort of good one year, bad the next. The Yankees are good every year. Uh, I, I, I still lean to the Yankees, but I'm a little less confident now based on what I read in the last day or so on the Time magazine. A little less confident. Who are the Boston Red Sox now? Yeah, that's true. they got to spend some money. I mean, Bogarts and Devers, you know. Uh, the Phillies are out of the Bogarts issue now. We all thought maybe that was a possibility with uh, Dombrowski. So that could be a situation that now is out of play, which helps Boston. But the Red Sox got to stop treating their franchise like it's the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's the thing. You know, I know Bloom came from there, and they want to sort of do it that way and not spend billions and still be good. They got Devers and they got Bogarts. Plus, they got other issues with the team anyway. They could use some more pitching. They have to realize to be a competitive team, they got to keep that left side of the infield together. That's going to be a very interesting decision. Because they're they're on the verge of if, being obsolete. If, if if Tampa is good, if they can hold on, they might be a yeah, little fifth bit. Fifth best team. Baltimore is better, too. Baltimore, they're at the bottom of the division. The Red Sox were charging the most for tickets. You could make that argument. And I, I, I think that they will be shamed into making sure they keep those uh, both Bogarts. I know Devers is not a free agent yet, but I think they might be shamed into doing it um, because if they do leave, do let Bogarts go after they let Betts go. Now, Betts was never going to sign there anyway, but the fact they didn't engage with Betts with a contract, if they let Bogarts go, that's going to be a major problem in that town, in that division, with the Yankees there and everything else. They will get killed, and I think they don't want to stomach that. So I think down deep they'll find the money, to be honest with you. One team we're not hearing a lot about, and I talked to my buddy who works for the Dodgers. He just said, man, everybody was so stunned. They lost here in San Diego. They just didn't envision this is how the season was going to end. He says, still, everybody's walking around in a malaise like they can't believe it. They've got a lot to do. Whole left side, center field. Pitching with Walker Bueller yeah, being done. I mean, they have issues. What what what, what are they doing? What what, what should they be doing? Uh, I don't have the answer for you, but they, uh, you know, I don't know. Do they make Lux the shortstop? I don't. Do they go out there and get Correa? Um, you know, I don't know if they want to do that. We thought maybe they get Verlander. The Mets beat him to it with the forty-three point three million. Uh, you know, they sort of got hurt with Bauer, and obviously they certainly got hurt with Scherzer to a degree, so maybe they shied away from that big pitcher. But the Dodgers have some problems. They got a lot of questions. You know, both, Turner, both Turners are out. I guess, Lux, I guess they're going to play Lux at short. They could put, uh, you know, they got Muncie still sitting there, but they let Bellinger go too. They got issues. But one thing about the Dodgers, they have resources, farm system, a good GM. Uh, they got plenty of money, and it's a great place to play. You're going to hear from them before too long. You'll hear from them. I think about the Padres and the report coming out that the Padres want a shortstop. And they also gave, they offered Turner all that money, $341 Tatis, Machado, Turner, still got to sign Soto. Is that just proof that everybody's cash rich? 
I, you know, San Diego and uh, the only team in town, beautiful ballpark, owners got money, got a good TV contract. I don't think the Marlins are rich, the Pirates aren't rich, the Reds aren't rich, but, you know, teams like the A's aren't rich. Uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with this ballpark either. No. But uh, they're going to get they're going to get out of Oakland. They're going to be in Vegas. Changing the subject. I'd be shocked if they stay in Oakland. You know, Manford told me at the World Series that, you know, it sounds like he was very indica- indic- indicative of them going to to Vegas. I hate to do that for the fan base in Oakland. But I, I the, the, there's money in the sport. And they're spending it right now, $300 million on Turner. What do you think of 11 years? Too much for me. I wouldn't have done that. I was asking everybody here, where are you going to be in 11 years? Uh, who the hell knows? I'll be retired. I'll be 74 years of age. That's You'll still be I'm playing tennis, though. I will. I don't know, yes, I will be. But at 74, if I'm doing this, I'm nuts. No, I shouldn't say that because I love the radio. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a lot. But there's a lot of money in the sport. You're right. The Padres, they offered, you know, Turner a fortune. We shall see. We shall see. Yeah, I was just I, I was shocked by but that. Be, but the Dodgers will be heard from. The Dodgers are not going to go quietly into the night. The Dodgers are going to be heard from. They are going to spend some money. They have something up their sleeve. They're too good. They have something up their sleeve. I don't know who. You know, maybe Bogarts put them at shortstop. Maybe they can make a run there. We'll see if. Uh, but, you know, the problem is a lot of people think a lot of these deals are going to go by the wayside now because they're going to start with Turner in 11 years, and none of these other teams are going to go 11 years. Yeah. So maybe the Turner thing ruined a lot of deals because now these agents are going to want to be where Turner is, and nobody's going to give them that money. you got to keep that in mind, too. Let's end on this. The one thing that I've seen with the Houston Astros, and, of course, being our division, we talk to them all the time. We see them all the time. You know, they could, they're great at saying, you know what, you cost too much now. They spend money, but you cost too much now, whether you're talking about a Carlos Correa, a Garrett Cole, we'll go find something else and still win. And they're smart and they're good at it. Yep. Very good. I think of Correa, and everybody's telling me, 28, how great he is. I just, Is everybody all in? Where are you on Correa? Uh, he's overrated. Thank you, because I'm like, if he was this great, we wouldn't be doing this dance again. He's very good in Shorts and postseason play, you like him on your team. Because he's a good postseason hitter, hits the ball out of the ballpark. He's very good there. But over 162, and what he's got to be, po- you know, he had 20 homers and 60 RBIs. I mean, can we take it easy? Yeah. So, from the standpoint of an everyday basis with him over a long season, I don't count on him. Plus, he's got back issues. In a short series, he's very good. But the problem is, Minnesota's not in short series. So, I'd be very careful about him. Well, I've said this about A's cast, and it's funny now everybody in our industry kind of knows what's going on. Uh, When when I left Terrestrial Radio to start this, and we've now kind of turned it also into TV, I thought about you, and I thought about you leaving WFAN to uh, Sirius XM. So it it was kind of one of those, you know, it can be done, and sometimes you do need to make change in your career. And and I I know I've told you that before, but – you know, I was so happy for you getting into the Radio Hall of Fame because for guys of my generation, you inspired us. I appreciate that. To, and you inspired me to do something like this that continues to grow, and that's why I was so happy for you to go into the Hall of that's Fame. That's a hell of a job. You guys are the best. You know I love coming on. Keep it going. That's Thank the Mad much. Dog, the Hall of Famer, right here on A's that's Cast a Live. nice job. <laughs> Oakland Athletics spring training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, some of you may say, how long are these guys going to go? Well, let me tell you, we're just getting started today. I've been trying to track down Billy Bean. The commissioner did weigh in. Yeah, I said so there's no reasonable timetable on for the or we're past a reasonable timetable in Oakland. When he spoke with the writers. I didn't get a chance to read all of it, but I saw that headline. Past any reasonable timeline to work out stadium deal in Oakland. Wow. He also talked about uh, I guess they, they want I guess they want to have the sale done in Anaheim before the start of the season. They want the sale done? Yeah, uh, I think I took a screenshot of it. Uh, and then, then we'll get to the bit of A's news. A signing happened. I'll, and I'll give you who, who it's from, the details. But um, the tweet I saw, like, I took a picture of it. Um, the Angels are hoping to be sold before opening day. That's from Bob, uh, from Bob Nightingale. Then they talked about the Orioles for some reason. Evan Drellick of the Athletic had it. As long as the quote from Manfred, as long as I have the job, I think you can count on the fact that the Baltimore Orioles will be in Baltimore. I, I didn't realize they were planning on moving. but Oh, you didn't hear about that? No. Oh, yeah. There's been some – disgruntled ever since the nationals came in they have not been happy campers i mean that's the the bottom line so we've signed second baseman jace peterson yeah according to robert murray our friend of fan cited uh free agent utility utility man jace peterson and the a's are in agreement on a two-year contract pending a physical according to sources familiar with the deal 236 last year eight home runs 698 ops 32 gonna be They'll be 33 in May, can play multiple positions. Uh, he can play. Where's his fielding? I know he plays multiple spots. And just in 2022 alone, he played, uh, don't count the pitching, DH, left field, second base, first base, right field, and third. So he can play anywhere, literally anywhere. Well, that is exactly what. There's another ace star. Martin Gallegos. Uh, that's exactly what. We were told by the general manager, David Force, that there's contracts out there to players right now. And there's a contract right there, and the A's make a deal. How are they going to get better? How are they going to get better at the winter meetings? He said, we, we, hey, we've got contracts out there. So, obviously, he wasn't BSing us. He wasn't as off the air, on the air. David wasn't as confident that Murphy was going to be traded at the winter meetings as a lot of these rumors are. Yeah, like, well, we he did about- not have that. He was not. It wasn't like he 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 didn't seem like that whatsoever. Like from we heard three hours ago, we talked about Ken Rosenthal had it in his piece that the A's are looking for major league players in a return for Sean Murphy. Yeah, they may. But what is I mean, what does that mean? Who who are people lining up to do that? Most I, probably I not. kind of doubt that. Like if you look at if you look at the Guardians who need a catcher who want a catcher their their number one prospect is a catcher so I don't think the A's want him uh, well you never know um, and then but St Louis has some guys playing in their major leagues right now that they could look at like Brandon Donovan 
um, a Lars Newt bar, guys that play for them that were good for them last year. I'm going to say where where we are right now as we're heading to break. We're going to head to lunch. We're going to be back here at one. We're coming back at. We're going to be on the air at one. Yeah, Dan O'Dowd will be here. Then Mark Kotze. Then Tito Francona. We locked in uh, our good friend Tori Lovello, A's legend. Okay, so Stu, where we are at Dave Stewart, where we are right now is you had Degrom and Verlander sign. Those were two major pieces. Then it was, okay, what, what, what goes on with the shortstops? And I think what you heard from June Lee of ESPN, and I don't know, did, Mad Dog didn't address this, but it was, it was June Lee. Did Mad Dog address Trey Turner's 11 years? Yeah, the 11 yes, years. Yes. Is once, once Trey Turner got 11 years, that had to set things back. That had to, okay, wait a minute here. Whatever Swansby, whatever Bogarts, Swanson. whatever Swanson. Whatever. You're combining both. <laughs> Dans, Dansby Swanson uh, and Carlos Correa. Once they saw that, obviously you're going to try and recalibrate, right? Okay, if this guy got 11 years, 300, let's, let, let, let's talk here. Let, let's you go to the teams you start having a little bit different strategy because when you're in a market with a bunch of other guys once the first guy when they always say the first guy signs then all of a sudden the dam breaks and everybody yeah. well when it's something that a lot of people didn't expect because you never saw a number like this you never saw years like this i don't think anybody thought i mean trey turner i can go through his numbers this is a guy that's never won an mvp this is a guy that's getting 300 million dollars who has never I mean, how many all-star games has he made? Turner? Yeah, not a lot. Yeah, let me just pull it up. Trey Turner. I mean, Trey Turner is not going into free agency with an Albert Pujols-like resume. Uh, Turner, Turner. Turner is a two-time all-star. A two-time all-star hasn't won an MVP just signed for $300 million in 11 years. Yeah. Silver Slugger in a batting title. You don't think that completely changed how the other shortstops feel? So I'm going to say this is where we are. Everybody is waiting for Judge. Judge is the big deal for the media, but obviously Judge is the big deal for the New York Yankees, and it's also probably a big deal for a guy like Carlos Correa. Correa wants to see what he signs for, right? Because Correa is probably thinking to himself is that wherever Judge signs, the other teams who don't get him, I now, I'm now in play. So, like, if Judge signs in New York – now Correa is big in play with the Giants. If Correa signs in San Francisco, that really opens up Correa for maybe potentially the New York Yankees. Yeah, or the uh, – well, I said the Dodgers. I thought Correa – besides the Twins, my, that was my prediction, 10 for And the Dodgers. But I think the Dodgers, he just fits the Dodgers so well. Everyone's going to be like, no, no, he doesn't. The cheating. Um, the guy's a leader, and he's the best shorts up on the market probably now. So there's a lot going on. So we're going to break for an hour. Going to want to come back and respond to Oakland needs, I'm not even going to say a reality check. The reality check was given a long time ago. I mean, when, when, when you had a situation where you lost the NBA in the NFL and that wasn't enough of a reality check, that didn't bring you ur- urgency when you lost the NBA and the NFL. Now, the NFL thing has scarred them, obviously, because when you know Brody has done the interviews with the potential mayors at the time, the 
the candidates who were running, and they all kept bringing up the Raider deal, which the Raider deal at this point still is not that much money. I mean, the Raider deal, my God, is not. You're talking about you're talking about teams are building stadiums. This the Raider money you're talking about in the Raider deal. It's Mount Davis. It's Mount Davis, and when you're talking not only Mount Davis, you're you're talking about some other, but it's not a lot of money. It's not. It may be to Oakland, I understand that, but when you're talking about the Tennessee Titans are now going to build a, a, a new stadium with a retractable roof so they can host Super Bowls, as Brody just talked to us about, the Coyotes are going to get a new arena in Tempe. This money that they keep talking about with the Raiders is not, it's not crazy. It's just not. And you would think at some point we would be saying that you know, is it reality check time? I think we're past reality check time. And this is the number one fear that baseball had has happened. A deal didn't get done before the election. And now you have a new mayor, a new city council. A new, uh, now it's a new year for it. Uh, going to be a new year. Everything they didn't want happened. And you just start to wonder, like, can this ever get done? I mean, Brody seemed pretty optimistic, but, you know, I mean, he's – I know we'll see how Dave Stewart feels about it. He's very educated because of everything he's dealing with with the commissioner's office in Nashville because Oakland and Tampa are what decide Dave Stewart and the Nashville Stars' future of when they can start. So a lot going on there. Uh, and to me, when I see that the commissioner has said – I'm trying to bring it up on my phone. What exactly where it was his words? Past, past any. We, we are past reason- any reasonable timeline. So basically, saying the, the the timelines don't matter anymore. Like you get, it's not even re- when you say it's not even reasonable. What what we're doing? Like what are we doing here? What are we talking about? I mean, baseball did force the A's to stay in Oakland. I can't officially say that they, but but they, they 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 have they have kept the A's in Oakland. At some point, you know, I wonder if baseball starts to kick itself. You know, because you're you're like, when is this going to happen? How many years do you think this is? I mean, kicking the can down the road. You've kicked it and kicked it and kicked it. It's back to that old saying from. It's back to that old story I have that that person years ago, now retired, told me that Chris. In Oakland, here's what happens. New politicians always show up, new elected officials, new people who are appointed. They show up and they push the boulder. And the boulder barely moves. Then they all leave and the new new group group comes. I was told that years ago. What have we seen? Nothing happened. Well, the boulder still hasn't moved very far. And yet the NBA and the NFL said, we're out of here. What you have left is Major League Baseball. And Brody Brazil stopped by and made a great point. You know, it's very similar to what's happened here in San Diego. But San Diego realized it. Now, the Padres got their deal done before the Chargers, and that's one of the reasons why the Chargers left. But you're at a point where this is it as a big league city. This is your last hope. So... I mean, how many times do you think the commissioner wants to take these questions about a ballpark in Oakland? I think it's going to happen every time he meets with the media because they're going to talk about – I didn't say anything about Tampa, but 
I, I think mean, it's going to be a question, and then you're going to – I mean, until something – a resolution happens here or, I mean, wherever. Past reasonable timeline. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see some more stuff in an hour that comes up. All right, we'll be back at 1 o'clock. We are in the second half here from the winter meetings. We are going to have uh, Dan O'Dowd, Mark Kotze, Tito Francona, Sarah Langs, uh, Dave Stewart, our good friend Tori Lovello, and Eno Saris. Uh, all scheduled. Who knows? Maybe more people want to join after, but that's who we have scheduled. Dan O'Dowd will start the show at 1 o'clock with us. Mark Kotze, 1.30. Dave Stewart, 2.30. So that's what's coming up. Maybe Grady Fuson. And maybe, I don't know, Billy Bean. Maybe We can squeeze Billy in if there's time. And Billy Bean. I mean, I'm efforting a lot of different people. That's what you do at the winter meetings. You just sit back and get ready to rock. We're going to be here all day. Yeah, we'll talk all day. That's what we do. This is A's Gas Live. Training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 